Yes, we are on letter K as we go for our alphabet soup of music over here live, back in action, ready for the conference championships where only one team will win the chip out of four who believe that they're at the Battle of the Bay, where on that day the Bucks or the Pack will go away while the other is here to stay. The Chiefs host the Bills where the outcome will desire the strongest will. Both teams are coming in hot on a cold night where they'll have to fight with all of them might to see the glorious side of that AFC trophy shining in that bright light. My friends, welcome back to the most unique and informative NFL show in the freaking Milky Way galaxy. It's the third and three podcast. My name is Jason Fearman, joined by the rest of the trifecta, starting with the first lady of NFL rants, Miss Tricky Nikki Gist. How are we doing today? I am good. Happy to be here with you guys again. Fantastic opening. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I didn't want to make it as long as the last one, but, uh, you know, had to give a little something, had to get a little creative over there. So thank you, my dear. And Damien, of course, our head coach, the guy who calls the plays, a hell of a freaking host himself, the real deal. What's up, D? What's going on, man? Just happy to be on the show, you know, ready to wipe away my tears from this weekend, you know, so just ready to get it on. I know, man. Hey, listen, we're definitely going to take it easy on you today because I've been there. I know how it feels. So does Nikki. So it's not going to be like, hey, hey, it ain't going to be like that, bro. I promise. But, uh, <laughs> hey, listen, uh, I, w- I want to thank, uh, if you guys didn't listen, um, Josh McKinney gave us an unbelievable shout out. He's the host of Four Quarters for opening a, sh- uh, opening a show, the best shout out third and three ever got it was amazing you guys got to listen to it four quarters by joshua kitty he really had some amazing things to say about our show and gave us like the mother of all shout outs really so we've all been on his show separately and he's done a fantastic job so just really appreciate you josh that's a little separate uh shout out that he gave us so why don't we give ours actually we have a couple that we want to give before we get into neighborhood news and all the good nfl action over here so nikki you want to give yours I do. Let me scroll to the top of my page. Shout out. This is my hometown shout out to Dave Finkelstein, friend of the show. Always got me in his Giants uh, tweet list. Always tweeting out Giants trivia, Giants memories, Giants highlights. Just an all around great sports account. You can follow him on Twitter at thefandog1. Did you say Finkelstein? Because I think that name is awesome. Yes. I love, that. I love Finkelstein. It reminds me of Frankenstein or something like that. But Finkelstein actually rolls, man. I like that. D, what do you got this week? I want to give a shout out to Ashley Baker on Twitter. You can find her under Ashley Baker underscore 21. She is just so dope when it comes to the daily takes. So you'll find the hot takes is like fire coming out of her Twitter account every day. And you have to make sure when you on your computer or your phone that you're not holding in your hands directly because it may burn. Um, that's how hot. <laughs> that's how hot her takes are, and um, she has a podcast called About Nothing But Sports. So go ahead and follow Ashley Baker underscore twenty one. Hey, that sounds like a good one right there. I like that. And uh, the last shout out, uh, very early in the show over here. Mine's going to JD at Sports Talk three sixty five. Just leave out the A and talk. He's a great follower, friend, excellent guest on many shows. 
including mine. Uh, he's been great. He's used to host his own show, produce his own show, taking a little time off, but no doubt he's going to be back soon. Just a really big supporter. And he's been there from day one, even helped me out uh, starting, you know, way back when. So I really wanted to give him a shout out. Uh, good buddy, definitely a good follower and definitely knows his stuff. Hey, we know our stuff too. Neighborhood news time. Let's get this stuff going over here. And the first thing that came to mind, guys, for me was Patrick Mahomes, still in concussion protocol, but he did practice today on a limited basis, obviously. And there's going to be a question later that we got from uh, from the audience that's going to get a little bit deeper into this. But just to get into it really quickly, do you think that it's more the leg that's bothering him, or do you think it's more the concussion that's bothering him, D? It's probably a lot of both. Uh, <laughs> both of those injuries are not wants to easily get over uh, with the foot. Here's a turf toe. And I've always heard that that's a very tough injury to deal with, to try yes. to play through. Um, and with the, the hit was weird. So I've heard that it might've been a nerve that was twist or that was twist. I think I just made up a word, but it was a nerve. <laughs> it was a nerve that was tweaked. And if that's what happened, cause it doesn't look like his head really hit the ground or got hit in a way to where it would be a concussion. Mm-hmm. He's still in concussion protocol. So I think it's, you know, a lot of both that is bothering him, but it's playoff time. I'm pretty sure I have a feeling he'll find his way out there. Yeah, I, I kind of think so also. And yes, it was very awkward the way that it all happened. There's no doubt, Nikki, but the way that he ran off the field, you know, gave you at least, you know, some good spirits thinking that, all right, he'll, he'll be back and he needs to be back for this team coming up against the Bills that we're going to talk about later. Oh, God. He, I think it's come hell or high water. He will be on the field. Yeah, I, I really have no doubt. And maybe they'll have to protect him more, which is fine. You know, bringing in an extra blocker. Look, they have plenty of firepower. So not worried about that. But we're waiting on word about Antonio Brown. He's day-to-day right now. Uh, some news again. Uh, the Ravens released Mark Ingram. I totally understand that. They got two backs already. Uh, let's see if one of the Super Bowl teams for next year picks up an extra running back. It could be him. Drew Brees does retire a Super Bowl champion, number one in passing yards as of right now, number two in passing touchdowns, and the best career completion percentage behind, do you guys know? Do you guys know who he's second behind now all time, which I couldn't believe when I looked it up? Any guess? Uh, It's probably like Sam Bradford or Chad Pennington. I like the way you're thinking. I understand the way you're thinking, but it's actually Deshaun Watson, who's been in the news, obviously, a lot later, so that kind of ties in. But we're talking about 0.1 percentage point, 68.7 to 68.6 or something like that. So, I don't know, maybe Watson will replace him in New Orleans. I'm sure you would be pretty happy about that. (laughs) Uh, Another guy who did retire, Phillip Rivers, after 17 years, wearing number 17, the big knock on him, obviously, is not winning the Super Bowl. Uh, Super Bowl, I think, then did twice, and so did Eli Manning, who is retired now. That's why Archie got Eli to New York, because he knew that if he goes to San Diego, things aren't going to work out. There's a, thing, there's a thing to be said about franchises, guys, and not to go into it too much, Nikki, but Pittsburgh and New York are historically much better franchises and much better run than the Chargers, who can't figure out exactly where they want to live. 
Yes, you would be correct. And I've heard it all day today on New York sports media since they announced his retirement. Um, And it has just been a debate about should Eli be in the Hall of Fame? Should Rivers be in the Hall of Fame? And I know D and I battled this, what, last summer. Um, And I'm going to prepare some more numbers and I'll have my case ready. And Jay, you're going to have to preside over the proceedings because it might get out of hand. But um, you guys know (laughs) where I stand on that one. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But, um, you know, D, to add a little fuel to the fire over there, he, look, he was extremely durable, obviously. He played 240 games. I believe he's a Hall of Famer. We'll get into that conversation another time. But fifth in passing yards and fifth in touchdown passes all time. That's pretty freaking good. Yeah, and no, he definitely put up some good numbers during his career. Um, when it comes to passing yards and passing touchdowns, you do have to be a little wary when it comes to the modern-day quarterbacks and them getting into the top ten, the ones who came just at the right time when the game was changing. Uh, it's definitely going to be crazy thinking about it. Ten years from now, you just mentioned how Deshaun Watson is now number one all-time in completion percentage, and his numbers are going to be nuts, you know, 10, 15 years down the line. So we definitely have to be wary of that when it comes to the modern day quarterback. And we have to do more of the eye test and see what they did in playoff games. And you have to go by more than just the numbers, man. And even though he has great numbers, it's definitely going to add to his case. Uh, When it comes to Phillip Rivers, it's definitely not just a knockdown in that he's in the Hall of Fame. You don't think it's a knockdown that he's in the Hall of Fame? No, I don't think I don't think it's one that is just automatic. No, it's mm-hmm. not like a paid manual or Drew Brees. Okay. I, I mean, I understand your argument. I totally get where you're coming from because I'm a big eye test guy also. And I know he was awkward throwing the ball, but he got the job done. Um, you know, obviously no Super Bowls and everything. We're definitely going to get into this. So I want to talk but about why, But Jay, why would he be a, a shoe in an automatic? Why not? Do you, have to, do you have to win a Super Bowl? Yeah, you do. You know why? Because in every <laughs> other sport. Yes. No, I, I see. I hate this because, yeah, you do. You have to win a Super Bowl because you have to win a championship. And your postseason way, means a hell of a lot more than what you did in the regular season. And this is what I love about Eli. People want to say, oh, you take away the championships. No, it doesn't work like that. And every other sport. Sport, we regard the championships and oh Tom Brady and his championships it comes to Eli and it's like well if you take them away you can't take them away you can't you beat the goat twice see I don't like that argument yes I think you should have to win a championship okay so you're telling me that Dan Marino and Warren Moon aren't Hall of Famers I think that you should have to win a championship so you're saying right now that Dan Marino and Warren Moon are not Hall of Famers yeah, I think you should have to win a championship. Okay, I think that's absolutely insane. I think that's ridiculous. I well, think that- I don't think you should be a shoe in just because you had a great regular season and didn't do anything else. Not a great, many great regular seasons. That, that's- How many great regular seasons has Philip Rivers had? Out of his whole career, I don't know, Damian, 15, 14, 15 out of his 17-year career. I mean, I understand. Yeah, but, you can't, but he can't take the next step. It's but not all, just the talent, it's all the talent around him, and he still can't take the next step. Look, he had LaDainian Tomlinson, and he was perhaps the best player in the league, so it's not just all on him. The defense has to play. You have to have guys to throw to. It's the ultimate team sport. I, I understand I mean, that, but I also think you can't take it away from some players and then say it's okay for other players. I, I'm, not, say, I'm not doing that. 
I, I mean, I mean, some people do do that. And I totally understand that. But to me, that doesn't hold any weight. It doesn't make any sense. You know, like Phil Simms is not in the Hall of Fame and he won a Super Bowl. So you can take it both ways. But I'm just saying that Philip Rivers, his his stats speak for themselves. But also when you watch the guy play, he, he had a very high completion percentage and always was able to get the job done. But his team couldn't put him over the hump. That's the thing that was that that was San Diego. That was now L.A. That's why Archie Manning didn't want him to freaking go there. And Indy? What, oh, you're going to tell me he didn't, Damien, I need you to s- jump in somewhere. He had a very good year. They should have even won that game against Buffalo. You're going to tell me he didn't have a good year this year? No, he definitely, he had a good year this year. Um, he wasn't on the par with his, you know, his prime years, but it definitely was a good year. And he played very well in that Buffalo game. It wasn't on him. We mentioned that, you know, their coach cost him four points. Their kicker missed the field goal. So there were seven points that was left out there. Um, so it definitely wasn't on him this game in particular or this season. So Phillip Rivers definitely played well enough to win. That goes to your point about it being the ultimate team sport. So I do have to disagree that you need a championship to get into the Hall of Fame. Because like you said, Dan Marino, all-time great QB, definitely one of the best to ever do it. Never had a running game. Didn't always have the best defense. And you have to, and with football, it's such a complimentary game. You need so much to help you out. And that's why I hate QB wins as a stat. Right, like Tom Brady gets the win against the Saints when the Saints had four turnovers. It was obviously a defense who won the game for the Buccaneers. Tampa Bay's offense didn't score unless they were on the other side of the field. So you can't just go by, oh, the QB won the game. It's such a team sport. So you have to go by their individual stats and what they did in those big moments. Um, So it's a combination of both. But I don't think you have to have a championship to get in the Hall of Fame because, like you said, Warren Moon, Dan Marino, both – Way better than Troy Aikman, for example. Troy Aikman was good in his own right, but got three Super Bowls because he played on one of the best teams ever, not because he was better than Dan Marino or Warren Moon. Jim Kelly went to four straight Super Bowls, didn't win one of them. You know, I mean, so he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, he just is. I mean, uh, Nikki, I'm going to give you the last word if you want, because I like this debate and we can go more on it. I know we have a lot to get to, but if you have anything else you want to say to back of your argument, I'm, I'm, I'm all ears right now because... Me and you were on total opposite sides of this. Yeah, well, I just don't think that Philip Rivers should be an absolute shoo-in. And if you look at his numbers in the postseason and people want to compare Eli, look at Eli's numbers in the postseason. Um, Eli has better performance. So I really don't know how you can weigh one more than the other. Well, again, I, I mean, uh, we're not going to continue. I'm not, I, I was on the side with you saying that I think Eli belongs in there because of the two Super Bowls. And again, we're going to get to way more of this because I, I really like this debate right now. And we're going to add Ben Roethlisberger into it because that's the whole class and everything. So we'll get more into this. But Nikki, I like that you take your stance and you stick to it. I just happen to disagree. And Damien is being the head coach is trying to mediate. So we appreciate it, bro. <laughs> no, I'm just sitting back enjoying it. Normally it's me and Nikki going at it. And it comes to this. Yeah. So I was just sitting back enjoying the debate. And both you guys have great points and I explained them very well. Uh, we'll definitely have more time, especially in the offseason. We'll have these debates. And I'm pretty sure me and Nikki will get into it about Eli. Um, but it's something that it's a, there's a reason why it's such a, a heated debate when it comes to Phillip Rivers. Yes, I, and, I, and I totally, totally get that. So I, we're going to have more points and we're definitely going to talk more about it. There's no doubt. So Nikki, I'm glad that you brought it up and I'm glad that you brought the fire. Um, but the Lions did fire also somebody and they made a hire. They, 
Damien, your uh, your Saints assistant head coach over there, Dan Campbell, got a six year deal just this morning. Uh, big deal losing losing uh, Dan Campbell for you, or easy to move on? Yeah, it's not one that you know got really attached to Dan Campbell. We didn't have him that long. Um, I just know him as the you know the jacked up guy on the sideline. Like every time I would see him, like oh Dan, that dude yeah. spent some time in the gym. Um, <laughs> but it never was like you know some guy like if we lost our defense coordinator, for example. That would be one that would be like, oh, you know, he's been somebody who's been, you know, the lead in front of a really good defense for some years now. With Dan Campbell, he was a tight ends coach, and our tight end was part of the reason we lost the game. So uh, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's, it's not something that, you know, is going to be looked upon fondly uh, in a Dan Campbell time with the Saints. So for me, it's not a big loss. Honestly, I don't know what he's done that made him head coach material besides looked apart. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's, yeah, so no, it's not like a big loss for us. Yeah, I found that one to be a little strange. I didn't see that one coming. I know he's a motivator, but I feel like more of a coordinator. Anyway, uh, Jacksonville also hired their coach and they went with Urban Meyer, Nikki, and we talked about it. We thought that was a possibility. It's almost like a college. So he gets to rebuild and do his thing and he'll have his say. So do you think he went to the right place for him? Yeah, I think so. I, I think he'll succeed there. Yeah, I, I think he will. You know, Damien, again, close to Gainesville, you know, only maybe, what, 100 miles away or something like that to Jacksonville, getting a brand-new quarterback, you know, and, and really getting to step in and be the guy right away because they don't have a voice in that locker room. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. Like, he has an impeccable college record, impeccable, yeah. but mm-hmm. it's college, right? And so yeah. when you make that jump from college to NFL, not even college, from college to broadcaster to the NFL, it's definitely a big jump to coach grown ass men. Yeah. Have a mortgage who have, <laughs> who have things to do after practice who, you know, don't want to hear your BS if you're not coming with them to them with the real. Uh-huh. So it's going to be a challenge, but it's also, this is what he likes to do. He likes to take on that challenge of rebuilding the program, but in the pros is different. You can't just say I'm at Ohio state. We, have players going to the pros, all the high school players are going to come here, right? right? So it's definitely going to be a challenge. I'm very interested to see what happens. And it's something that, you know, we just have to wait and see. You can't, it's hard to say if somebody's going to be a good head coach, but it's definitely interesting to hire. Yeah, I I do. I I like where he landed. I think if anything, that was the spot for him. We talked about the Chargers. We did talk about Houston, but uh, in hindsight, I think that this one works out pretty well. One that I'm really disappointed about DB talked about you losing one. I lost a couple over here. Defensive coordinator Robert Seller getting hired by the Jets and taking Matt LaFleur's brother, excuse me, Mike, with him, who was our offensive coordinator, slash QB, slash a lot of things. So the Jets getting a couple of good head coaches over there. The Chargers made a defensive move in hiring Brandon Staley, who was the Rams defensive coordinator. We all know how, how well they did uh, this year. So that seems to be like a pretty good move. The Falcons hire... Arthur Smith, the former Titans offensive coordinator. We were hearing rumors about that. I, I, I don't know how much I really like that. Um, you know, Matt Ryan's not going to be there that much longer, Nikki. So I don't know how much I really love that hire, but maybe there's something I'm missing that I don't know about this guy. Well, I don't know anything about the guy. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm missing a lot. <laughs> I'm with yeah. you, D. Can you help me with this? Well, I do know that he comes from a wealthy family. His father is the CEO of FedEx. Oh, Uh, Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was interesting. The first two jobs he got as a coach, 
were at places where FedEx was a sponsor of the team. So a lot of people say he might have got his foot in the door that way. Now, of course, he's worked his way up since getting to Tennessee. And it's interesting because he's been at Tennessee his whole career, like pretty much like the last 10 years and worked up from literally being, you know, quality control coach all the way through the ranks of offense coordinator. But when I look at the Titans offense, it's not one that screams, we need to hire that guy as a head coach. He's so innovative. It's yeah. we have a 2000 yard back. We run play action because you have to respect the fact that we have a 2000 yard back. Right. It's not that difficult to draw plays when you have one of the only eight guys in history to run for 2000 yards. So it's not something for me that really stood out as like, oh, this guy's head coach material. So again, we don't know he may be great, but it didn't jump out to me as like this amazing hire of somebody who has been doing these amazing things on offense. No, I thought it was rather peculiar myself. Uh, not that they had to rush. You know, again, Eric Bieniemy is there, and that's who I was going to just mention for a second. He's still out there. They're, everybody's saying that they want him as a head coach, but he keeps getting past five. But five teams now, there's only two left. You got the Eagles and you, you got Houston, who neither seem to be in a rush with. Now, Deshaun Watson may help his case in staying in Houston if Eric Bieniemy is the head coach. We'll see what happens with that. But we will save that conversation for another time because we got so much that we want to get into, guys. And we're going to do applause and tomatoes right now. You know how it goes. And we know where Nikki's always going. So <laughs> let's just start this off, Nikki. You're always doing it. You throw, you throw in the tomatoes. You're booing at the crowd. <laughs> so let's get this thing going over here. Where are your tomatoes going this week? I'm throwing my tomatoes at the CBS marketing and social media team. Oh, this should be good. <laughs> so listen. Five minutes before the Cleveland game and Kansas City game kicks off, okay, I have Verizon Fios, I'm in the New York market, CBS goes out, okay, we're dark, we're black, calms down, and it's about to kick off, are you kidding me? So we're flipping through, like every other channel works, this is this has got to be a joke, right? So we're waiting, waiting. I go on Twitter. I notice everybody else who's in the New York markets having a problem. So we're down on Fios, DirecTV, Comcast. I don't know what else anybody has around in the area, but all channels, all vehicles are down. I'm sorry, but if I was on this social, and I did tweet at them, if I was on this social media team, how do you not take this opportunity to be like, hey, catch the game on CBS All Access, here's a link to your free trial, which I did go on CBS All Access, but I feel like that is a huge miss. You guys remember, Jay, you remember the San Francisco uh, Ravens game when the power went out, we all watched a black screen, and Oreo, I think it was Oreo, they jumped in there on Twitter and like, things you can do in the dark, eat Oreos, and they blew up. Everybody wanted a friggin' Oreo cookie. To me, that's a missed <laughs> opportunity, and whoever's head of marketing social media should be freaking fired. Oh, my God. That is fantastic. That's awesome. That, that reminds me of a story when none of us were alive. Back in 1970, uh, the Jets were playing the Raiders. I think, no, the Jets are the Browns. The Jets playing the Cleveland Browns. And the game went out because Heidi was scheduled to come on the show Heidi way back in the day. So it was the fourth quarter, a close game. They cut the game off and they put on Heidi. Like, are you freaking kidding me? So there's tomatoes from back in the day, just to kind of like uh, lean off of what you were saying. So, yeah, I would be freaking out if I were you. I'm totally with you. Then. <laughs> Please. Wow. D, where are you going? Uh, I'm going to go with tomatoes as well. And for 
my tomatoes, I feel like the tomatoes this week definitely need to be thrown at the NFL coaching hiring process. So mm. we, yeah, we talked about it, you know, all the hires that have been made. And there's no disrespect to anybody who's gotten hired, right? But we talked about Arthur Smith having somewhat 10 years. It feels like a long time, but a lot of NFL coaches put in way more time than that to get into this position. Uh, you talked about Brandon Staley. Five years ago, he was a defensive coordinator at John Carroll University. No, no, disrespect. What? no. Yeah, exactly. No disrespect to John Carroll <laughs> University or John Madison, where he went the year after. But to go from that to head coach in five years, when we have so many minority candidates who are going through year after year and putting in 15, 20 years of work as assistants to try to get this opportunity just seems unfair. And like I said, Staley may be a great coach for the Chargers, maybe awesome. And he had the number one defense this year in the Rams. He also had one of the greatest football players of all time in Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. He had Jalen Ramsey, who's on a trajectory to be a Hall of Fame cornerback. So you have to call the right plays, but you also have to have that talent on defense. And you did it for one year. Usually, if somebody's going to be a head coach on their defensive prowess, it's because they've been doing it for years upon years, and they have a track record of having top defenses. Um, it seems like Right now, if the thing is to hire the young hip guy, or it used to be the offensive mastermind. Eric Bieniemy is the offensive mastermind now, and it's mm-hmm. not getting an opportunity. So for me, I had to throw that the NFL coach hiring process. All right, man, I, I can't blame you one bit. I was I was baffled by by a couple of them right off the bat. I'm like, what? I'm like, I, I just really don't understand. You know, I <clears throat> excuse me. I know that um, Robert Sala is Lebanese, and that's not discounting anything. He is a minority. I understand, but in general, we are talking about black people, African Americans, who have been in the business, who have been coaching on the sideline for such a long time. So, bro, I'm with you all the way on that one. Um, that's another one that bothers me and baffles me, and it will continue to until they start getting there. You know what together. All right, uh, I'll continue with the tomatoes over here before we do our round of applause. And that's going to go to the Browns coaching staff. I don't want to spend too much time on it because we're going to talk about the games. Um, I know Jedrick Wills went out immediately. It was like the first or second play of the game. But I was very disappointed in them offensively and defensively. First of all, on defense, they were only showing four and only rushing four. At times, you either have to Look, stack the line and still rush for it, but throw some confusion at the guy. You got to put more people at the line of scrimmage. Try to confuse, yes, even Patrick Mahomes, who was at a point hobbling in that game. All right. You got to take advantage of things like that. Offensively, they ran the ball six times in the first half. Chubb was dropping passes. That's not the coach's fault, but I don't know what they were doing. They weren't taking advantage of the opportunities. And then, you know, even with the Chiefs having all these penalties, third and 19, whatever it may be, they still overcame it. The Browns defense couldn't do anything to stop it. All right. And there's a certain play in that game that, of course, we're going to get to that may have tra- changed the course of it. But the bottom line is, is that the Browns called a terrible game. You got Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, and you're going to rush six times in the first half. Give me a break. They didn't use him right. The defense didn't play right. They have to try to confuse Patrick Mahomes as as impossible as that may be. They did nothing but put four guys on the line and blitzed maybe twice off the corners. So I think the coaching of the Browns 
was terrible that game. And they could have had a chance, not saying they would have won, but they could have had a chance had the coaching staff put together a better game plan than what they did. So those are my tomatoes for the week. I was very disappointed to see that. But let's get into some happiness over here, guys. Maybe a little round of applause, get everybody going. Let's make this thing a happy thing. All right, so here we go. Round of applause time, and it could go out to many. I got a few listed on my list, but Nikki, you're up first. Um, my round of applause is going to Bill's Mafia, who did the coolest thing I think I've seen, and such a feel-good story. After Lamar Jackson got knocked out of the game with a concussion, they donated to his favorite charity, um, Blessings in a Backpack, which provides food for elementary um, school-age kids on the weekends who may not be able to get that lunch um, without the help. And they raised over $360,000. So I thought that was amazing. I want and hope we get to hear more stories like that. So good on you guys, Bill's Mafia. Wow. That's so, and you're right. I, I read about that. I thought that was fantastic. You know what they did? Obviously they were in a very charitable mood, um, but still at the same time, that's taking nothing away from what happened. They won the game and Obviously, you feel for Lamar Jackson in that moment. I mean, to add insult to injury, we'll talk about it later, you know, getting concussed or whatever, you know, whatever happened to him. And God, the pick that was, what, 102 yards back to seal the game. So, yeah, awesome by Bills Mafia, no doubt. All right, D, what do you got for your round of applause? Yeah, that's awesome, man. I saw that story and it just made me feel good. They definitely are taking the throne as the best fan base. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely have to give them that. Uh, for my round of applause, I'm gonna give it to Tony Romo. Uh, his call, yes, thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Yeah, on the fourth and one, where Kansas City decided to go not only go for it but pass the ball. Yeah, it was like, and his reaction lets you know how crazy of a call that was and how gutsy of a call that was. And you need the right announcer to go along with the moment to let you know how important it truly is. He did a great job. Absolutely. I love that one. Yeah, his reaction was amazing. It was kind of like mine. Again, we're going to talk about that game later. I can't wait to get into that sort of stuff. Um, I'm going to give my round of applause right now over here. I'm going to go with Leslie Frazier, uh, Bill's defensive coordinator. I could have gone with the Packers O-line for shutting down the Rams defensive line, even without Aaron Donald. That's still very formative, but I'm going with Leslie Frazier's defense three points by, by the Ravens. Like, are you freaking kidding me? So everything that he did was to make sure that Lamar Jackson couldn't do what he wanted to do. Then he couldn't throw the ball. The running game wasn't working well. Nothing good happened for that team. It was 3-3 at halftime. And then the Bills, you know, they got their offensive touchdown. Then obviously, like what I just said, the big pick at the end to seal the deal and make it 17-3. to Just all the way around, unbelievable defense by the Buffalo Bills that game, being ready for every single thing that Baltimore was going to throw at him. So Leslie Frazier, way to get your guys set and ready to roll. That was a fantastic win by them, despite it being, again, only 3-3 at halftime and the Bills weren't shining on offense. But you know what? A win's a win, and their defense, again, stepped up and did their thing, guys. No, that's a really good call right there. Awesome game plan. It really was. It was a totally awesome game plan. And, you know, you can really say the same thing about what – you know, while we're doing a round of applause, you know, uh, before we jump into our next segment over here in the ranting recap, 
I, I wanted to get your guys' opinion about you know, we're going to break down the game, but the, everything was the, the Rams got this unbelievable defense. You know, they're going to do this, that, the other thing. Can Devontae Adams catch on Jalen Ramsey? Yeah, he got nine grabs. We'll talk more about it. But also the most impressive thing to me without David Bakhtiari, who was one of the top linemen in the league, one of the best left tackles, they were able to contain that defensive line, Nikki. And I was so shocked by it. And it gave Aaron Rodgers all day to smile back there and do what he had to do. And they had the game. And it was really a lock from basically halftime, at least. Yeah, I, you know what? That was my second choice for a round of applause. That offensive line really showed up. So good on them. And you know what, Damian? Not just in, in the passing game, but the running game also. You know, I, I don't want to skip ahead and talk about the whole game because I'm just really giving it to the offensive line right now. I just thought that was an incredible performance. No, it definitely was. Great performance by the O-line, like you said, both passing and running the ball or helping to open the lanes for the running game against that right. defense, which is right number one. So you have to give them all the credit in the world. Yep. And, uh, well, I'm also going to throw a quick one at uh, Chad Henney over there. We'll get into more of that later, obviously. Man, what a weekend it was. It was freaking absolutely awesome. It's what we all expect. They call it the, you know, the best weekend of the NFL season. Maybe the wild card weekend is now with having six games and everything. But it, everything was just awesome. You, you love it. The timings of the game, you know, going into Saturday night, then Sunday, you wait a few hours, you know, you get some food in you, you're ready to go for the next set of games, man. It, it, it was awesome. It was just awesome. And then, yeah, I know the Sunday game night wasn't the most fantastic one. It was fun to watch for a while. And we're going to talk a lot about that. We're going to talk a lot about every game, but when we come back, we're doing the ranting recap which is going to get into all of that. We got knowledge with Nikki. We're going to do our picks for the playoff games. Mount Player Player is the best conference championship games that we've ever seen. All right. And you guys, again, came through with the Q&A. You guys sent in awesome questions. We're going to answer them. We can't wait. We'll be back in 60 seconds. This is the third and three podcast. Nikki, Damian, and Jason in the house, rocking and rolling all night. Big time NFL action coming right up for you. We're back in 60. Diamonds are forever. They won't leave in the night. I've no fear that they might hurt me. Diamonds are forever. Throw your diamonds in the sky if you feel the vibe. Close your eyes and imagine, feel the magic, Vegas on acid, seen through East St. Laurent glasses, and I realize that I've arrived, cause it took more than a magazine to kill my vibe, does he write his own rhymes, sort of, I think, that mean I forget better shit than you ever thought of, damn, is she really that... We're we hitting letter K hard right now. We got more for you coming up. We're doing the Alphabet Super Music. You know it. You know it. Kanye West in the house. And uh, apparently, uh, Nikki's got a little something interesting to say about this Kanye West guy over here. I'm, I'm wondering what she's got. Yes, D. Thank you for picking this. I was hoping somebody was going to pick Kanye. <laughs> yeah, Kanye's my guy. 
I, uh, all right. So I do have a little Kim and Kanye story. So as I've talked about before, um, I did get married in Miami, uh, what, 2016. So a few years ago, and I'm at my rehearsal dinner at prime Italian. And all of a sudden, as you know, prime 112 is across the street. Um, or maybe you don't know if you haven't been to South beach. Uh, so all of a sudden, you know, I'm eating my meatball, enjoying that biggest meatball that they give you. And, <laughs> All you see is like, I don't know, million frigging camera lights flashing. And I'm we're like, what is going on? So my sister gets up and she's just too curious. She's like, I have to see what's going on. Well, she runs across the street. My sister-in-law runs across the street. I'm like, what is going on? I get this text message. They're fil- the Kardashians are filming. Get over here. I leave my parents and my family in the dust. Like I run across the street <laughs> to Brian 112, oh, right? So we get a drink at the bar and I did watch this episode back to see if you could see me. I think maybe you could see my hair. Maybe let me tell you, these producers don't mess around. They're like, get out of here. What do you mean? You are trying to find the bathroom. Um, so anyway, you know, of course it's like a big to do. And I see Kim and Kanye in the lobby, snap a picture and he is mean mugging me. Okay. Like my sister-in-law is cut off in the picture and we have a lovely group text going on right now. And I'm going to send you guys the picture and tell me that's not a Kanye mean mug. Like he's like, bitch, get this phone out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, some, some of them are uh, a lot of fun and some of them unfortunately are. And I got to check this out. And that's Cancer oh, Booty. Like, oh man, that's like, he's like, staring at something like real spooky right now like man what the hell is going on here <laughs> that's that's hilarious that's hilarious that's well worth the picture <laughs> we, we after that we got very drunk and then uh you know i got married the next day so <laughs> oh, perfect perfect timing and there's the story all right i was curious what it was going to be about there you go there you go but no autographs didn't get close to them so hey but you got that picture right there and that that's forever ever forever ever yes it ever. is oh man all right third and three podcast we are back and we are ready to dive deep into the nfl divisional round and head into the conference championships we got a lot for you so a quick few stats um we're going to go in order of the games that were played the packers defeated the rams 32 to 18 goff only 174 yards with the thumb he threw a touchdown pass Cam Akers, he had a pretty nice day, 18 attempts, 90 yards, a touchdown. Josh Reynolds was the leading receiver for the Rams, three catches, 65 yards. So that tells you a lot about that passing game right there, as opposed to Aaron Rodgers, who threw for 296 yards, two touchdowns, and ran for one, which was freaking awesome on the pump fake over Leonard Floyd, I believe it was, and then he scooped in for the touchdown. Awesome. Uh, We talked about the offensive line. Aaron Jones ran like nuts, 14 Attempts, 99 uh, yards and a touchdown. Alan Lazard, 96 yards, a touchdown. Devontae Adams, nine grabs, where they were talking about him and Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, he only had 66 yards. But that one play, guys, and we'll get into this game, that one play where they had uh, Devontae Adams go fully across the line of scrimmage and back to where it was so intelligently designed to where Devontae Adams would be running a straight beam line as fast as he can, where Jalen Ramsey is going to have to come around the defense and weave through his guys 
in order to get to Devontae Adams. There was no way he could on time. It was a perfectly timed play, Damian. I, when I saw that play, I was like, that's just brilliance and execution right into one. Yeah, no, it definitely was a great play call. Um, you get Jalen's frustration on that play because I don't like man-to-man in that situation, like on the goal line. Like, no. if you're going to run man-to-man, it has to be a, where you're able to switch it just in case somebody does something like that because no way Jalen could keep up with him running around his defenders, like you mentioned. Exactly. Um, Got to love the play design on that play action where they got Lazar down the field. Uh, you got to love the play design where Lazar dropped the ball. Yeah. Where he was wide open. Uh, so the Green Bay Packers offense, it was a strength on strength matchup, you know, offense versus defense. And their offense came out on top. You mentioned Aaron Rodgers, even on the plays where they did everything perfect. And you mentioned the pump fake where they're on the goal line. Everybody's covered. No one's open. Aaron Rodgers rolls out, but the safety is right there. He's not going to outrun, outrun this guy. What does he do? Pump face, get him in the air, scrolls in for the touchdown. Yeah. It's just unstoppable. It's unstoppable. And that's what makes him, Mahomes, so special, right? When they you do everything right, they can roll out the pocket, buy time, and then even then can do something outside of the realm of the play. And how can you beat it, right? Yeah, if this yeah. defense can't beat it, how can you beat it? And with... Jared Goff, he played well. I didn't expect him to be so efficient in this game. Um, it definitely wasn't on him. He played better than I expected. Their run game was pretty good. Um, offensively, they were okay. Defensively, they needed more to be able to stay in this game, and they weren't able to stop Green Bay at all. Green Bay honestly should have had 40. Um, so yeah. it's, some, it's something that, you know, you just run into the wrong offense. Aaron Donald is compromised. He obviously wasn't the same guy playing with torn rib cartilage. Like, yeah, that's... <laughs> it's like I don't know if you ever had a rib injury, but it sucks. Doing yeah. everything sucks. Breathing, laughing, <laughs> breathing. <laughs> yeah, literally, literally everything Living. sucks. <laughs> Living, like existing, everything <laughs> sucks <laughs> when you have a rib injury. Yeah, and the fact that Aaron, Aaron Donald was out there playing, yes, actual breeze, exactly. Uh, it's it's unbelievable that he was even able to play, and you saw the emotion at the end of the game of how much it meant to him. Uh, but yeah, it's just too much of the Packers for the Rams in this one. And, you know, Rams had a good season, but they just ran into the wrong team. They definitely ran into the wrong team. There's no doubt about it, Nikki, as, you know, the, the Packers really had control of that game. The Rams tried to stay in it early. But, again, that uh, that offensive line and the way they ran the ball, but also they played solid defense. You know, they really did. Uh, I know the Rams didn't have a lot to offer in that game. Again, Cooper Cup wasn't you know, wasn't even available. So um, with what they had and what there was to offer, you know, Green Bay did their job on defense as well. So on both sides of the ball, they're looking pretty good going into this matchup in the conference championship. Yeah, I mean, they are just the Packers. It's Aaron Rodgers too. I mean, it's just unreal. And you know what I took away from this watching the game? They play amazing situational football like converting eight you know third down scoring touchdowns on three of their first four trips um inside the 20 yard line I mean winning a football game like really is literally sometimes that basic and they do the basics so damn well and it's really 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 hard to defend that and it's really hard to defend Aaron Rodgers and I think you can pinpoint exactly when this game was over when Jared Goff got sacked 
fourth and 13 with five minutes left. Packers were up 14. And to me, I was like, that's, you know what, that's it. That's the wrap. And, but yeah, I mean, man, do the Packers look damn good. They do. And again, home field advantage does matter, especially for a team like that. So the Packers looking good. They're at home coming against the Bucks. We're going to talk about their matchup, but let's get into the other one that we saw on Saturday night, the Bills and the Ravens, which really was a snooze fest, <clears throat> excuse me, a snooze fest as far as most of us are concerned. I mean, 3-3 at halftime, very boring, you know, one offensive touchdown by the Bills. Of course, goes to Stephon Diggs. And uh, then we know what happened at the end. But quick stats, Lamar Jackson, 162 yards and obviously one very costly interception. Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins both had 42 yards rushing, so Bills did a good job there. And Marquise Brown was their leading receiver with 87 yards and four grabs. Josh Allen didn't have Josh Allen day. Um, it was, you want to call it elements or whatever, or just doing what you have to do. But 206 yards, one TD pass. Uh, I mentioned Stefan Diggs, another excellent day. Eight catches, 160, 106 yards and a touchdown. And, uh, you know, the Bills, again, they don't run the ball. Singletary had 25 yards on the ground. So we all know what the play of the game was. Teron Johnson picking off Lamar, running in 101 back, uh, you know, to put the nail in the coffin, basically. And the best defensive game the Bills played all year. Like I gave, you know, again, praise to Leslie Frazier before. And it was also horrible play calling by the Baltimore Ravens. So you put that all together. The Ravens score three points. The Bills come out on top and they move on, Nikki. So the better team did win, even though I did pick Baltimore. I thought that they would be on fire in the cold weather, but it didn't turn out that way. And the Bills just did what they had to do to win the game. Oh, my God. And just like that, my Super Bowl predictions <laughs> just went up in smoke. Like, oh, man. Yeah, this was rough, especially in my house. Um you know what? Lamar Jackson has got to get the ball out faster. Do you guys agree? Of course. <laughs> like, I just, I, he's hanging on to it, and then he does this, like, I don't know the technical term. So I'll give you the Nikki term. You know, they just, like, hold on to it, and he runs backwards and inevitably is going to get sacked or something. Can't always make the play. I hate the run backwards shit. Can you just stop? Like, <laughs> just go down. I, I don't know. But now you're losing yardage. Um, I really, you know, Justin Tucker missing two field goals. And, you know, I've said it a few times, the Ravens need a playmaker. It can't just be Lamar Jackson. Like they don't have that receiver, just go up, get it, make a dynamic play. They don't have a Stefan Diggs. Like they need that. I know Mark Andrews can be that sometimes, but they really need a playmaker and Lamar Jackson, he's got to work on getting that ball out quicker. Yeah, you can't just have one playmaking receiver. I know Marquise Brown is definitely a good player, and he, he played well over the past five, six weeks. Uh, there's no question, but you feel like you need to have that big wide receiver on the outside, like a DK Metcalf type or something like that, in order to complete this group. Because, yeah, I mean, you can run all day if it's working, but there's going to be points where they're down, Damian, uh, you know, times where they're down, and they're going to need to score points, and they're going to need to throw the ball in a certain amount of time. So yeah, having another wide receiver would be smart. And maybe that's where they go in the first round of the draft. But overall with this game, you know, what did you think? I mean, if you stayed, well, you know, you're on the West Coast, so you were up, but uh, my eyes were blinking as I was watching the snooze fest, but I managed to stay up for it. 
<laughs> yeah, even on the West Coast, it was a little hard to stay up for this one. <laughs> uh, it was definitely, it wasn't, it wasn't the most entertaining game. Uh, like you mentioned, it was one and three or three at halftime. The Bills offense didn't do much either. You know, it wasn't one of those games where I would usually text you guys the quantum leap, leap, leap. <laughs> you didn't get that. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, this this one wasn't a game where Josh Allen really showed that. In this one, um, the Lamar Jackson point that Nikki mentioned about him not getting rid of the ball, part of that is him holding on to the ball too long. Part of it is the lack of receivers. Um, no one's getting open. So at that point, you're looking for somebody to get open. And with an athlete of his nature, climb up in the pocket and you can escape. But the Bills did a great job of making sure those running lanes weren't there either. So that's why it was such a good point by Jason to give them the applause because they did a good job of taking away both the running lanes for Lamar and not letting those wide receivers or tight ends get open. I mean, they definitely need a number one wide receiver. I don't know if there's in their spot in the draft, there will be one there, you know, it'll be way too late to get the kid out of Alabama who won the Heisman. Right. But, you know, maybe they can make a trade for a guy that Nikki's not too fond of that, you know, uh, a guy named Odell Beckham Jr. Maybe he can be the answer there. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say Evan Ingram. Oh, they don't need another tight end. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> no, they definitely don't want uh, – they got Mark Andrews. They're good there. <laughs> but they need that number one dynamic type receiver. I think Beckham could be that guy for them if Cleveland feels that they are good without him. You know, I don't know if they feel that way. But that could be a route that they look. There's always our receivers open to trade. Uh, Michael Thomas may be somebody who – could be on trading block this off season after mm. his ankle surgery though. But that's the thing is he going to be healthy going into next year. So it's something that they should look into. Uh, hopefully they get that tackle back that they paid all the money to who got hurt literally two days after he signed the contract. Yeah. So it's <laughs> that also affected them not having their best offensive alignment out there. Uh, so the Ravens have a good team. I want the Lamar Jackson can't win talk to stop. Yeah. I want yeah, that to stop. I'm, yeah. I hear you. I hear yeah. You. Cause he, he just turned 24, like this month. It just happened. Right. So he, he's, he's somebody who's going to be in this league for years and years to come. We have to remember it takes even the greatest of players in this league time to go over that playoff hump. Peyton Manning, who I consider the GOAT, didn't win his first playoff game until he was 27. So it takes time to go over that hump, especially if you don't have the right team or you have the right team in front of you. With Peyton Manning, it was – the Patriots, and for some reason, the Chargers, who you couldn't get past. Uh, so you have those teams that have your numbers sometimes, and sometimes you get outcoached. And that's what happened in this game. The Ravens got severely outcoached. Yeah, yeah, they sure did. Uh, there's no doubt. And when we talk about other quarterbacks, um, it, it's unfortunate for them because now the measuring stick is Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, he was, what, 23 last year when he won the Super Bowl? Yeah. So, you know, he's a phenom, obviously, but – that's who they're trying to measure everybody up to and trying to say that Josh Allen is close to him, you know, whatever. Josh Allen's fantastic. Patrick Mahomes is, you know, from another planet. But, uh, you know, all that being said, we're about to get into that game right now with Patrick Mahomes and who is a question mark, but we're all pretty sure he's going to play in this game over here. Um, before he went out, he had 250 yards, uh, 255 yards passing, uh, touchdown pass and a TD run. They ran the ball well when they did run the ball. Uh, Darrell Williams, especially, you know, you're thinking Le'Veon Bell, but he ran 13 times for 78 yards, and he looked really strong when he was running. So 
that's a scary thing. It's funny how Kansas City seems to develop a running game toward the end of the season where they didn't have Clyde Edwards-Solaire for such a long time and it was all passing. But, you know, maybe now they can run a little bit. But um, they definitely passed. Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey both had eight grabs for 110 yards each. And Kelsey got in the end zone. As far as the Browns, uh, look, Chubb, 13 carries, 69 yards. That's not enough carries for him. Kareem Hunt only had six carries. Certainly not enough. He did get in the end zone against his former team. Baker Mayfield, 204 yards, a touchdown, and a very costly interception there towards the end. There is so much to talk about in this game, guys. Um, I talked about it a little bit earlier, um, you know, the disappointment, um, you know, from the Cleveland Browns really on both sides, only rushing four and really not running the ball enough and playing their game. So I think they got lost over there. I'm not sure what Stefanski was doing. I got other things to say about this game, but uh, there was definitely a big-time play in there that we all got to talk about. Damian, I'm going to throw it to you, and if you want to go there, you go there, but there's plenty to talk about in this game. Yes, yeah, so I'll text you guys when it happened. I, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, I just felt sick to my stomach for the Browns fans when they were driving towards the end of the half. Seems like they're going to get a touchdown. They have Higgins going in. He tries to dive in, extends, and gets hit by a Kansas City safety. Ball comes out, fumble out of the end zone, touchback, and the ball now goes to Kansas City. And for me, I feel like we've seen it so many times that players should have this ingrained in their head. If I have to extend, I have to make sure I have the ball secure. And also, that's a last resort right? It's fourth down. I have to extend or we don't score, you know, something to where you have to do it. Uh, you just don't take that chance if you don't need to. They had enough time too. they had more than enough time to get down there and run another play. They have an excellent run game. They can get one yard. They're not like, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers who would punt on four for one because they're scared to run the ball. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Shots> fire. <laughs> so they definitely could have gotten to the end zone very easily there. That was a huge play, especially when you look at the fact that Patrick Mahomes got hurt. Right. So Patrick Mahomes gets hurt. If the, the score changed there from it would have been, if I remember correctly, it would have been 16 to 10. Right. It switched to. Kansas City getting the ball, not only getting the ball, but scoring a field goal. So it went from, it could have been 16 to 10 to 19 to three going into the half. Exactly. It was changed so much. It was such a huge play. And then the second half, Mahomes goes down and you think it for sure. Oh man, Browns got a chance. We can see a Browns, Bills, AFC championship. This is crazy. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and, and then we find out that anything is possible. Oh. <laughs> Damn. Damn. Nice one. Nice. So Chad Henney comes in and Chad Henney threw the worst interception I've seen in playoff history. <laughs> <laughs> that interception was so bad. And it was, it was like he just was throwing a punt. He was like, why are you doing that? There's no need for you to do that. But he makes up for it on a third and 14, huge run, and gets him close enough to call that very ballsy fourth and one play where – they decided to go for it there with the pass play, which is pretty much unstoppable. The rollout with Tyreek Hill, the fastest man on earth, doing a quick out route. How can you truly stop it? Because if you try to stop Tyreek Hill, then the quarterback has the free lane. I really feel like it's an unstoppable play. But you still have to have the balls to call it. And I joked on my podcast, I said, what's bigger, the United States of America or Andy Reid's balls? Because, 
Andy Reid's balls. Balls of steel. It truly takes gonads of steel to call that play at that time. And you just have to respect it. You know, all props go to KC, but Browns definitely let one go. It has some opportunities there um, to win this game. Big interception by um, Baker Mayfield as well. Uh, you got to give Tyron Matthew credit on that play for reading it. Um, but those opportunities, that interception and that fumble, were pretty much the difference in that game. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, you felt that Cleveland was coming back. I felt they were coming back. I'm like, they really may actually win this game, That you know? And yes, they got screwed with Higgins. And Nikki, I, I want to get your opinions and all these, but just to answer directly to Damian and then see where you fall on it. Um, Rashard Higgins, look, I, I totally agree with you. Tuck the ball away, save it for another play, no question. But in that moment, you know this dude is thinking, I'm going to score a touchdown right here. I'm going to get up and I'm going to be the man. And that's in the moment, that's what he's thinking. I'm not, you know, saying that he's right or whatever, but that's probably what he was thinking in that moment. Also on that play, it was Sorensen who I believe knocked the ball out and it was helmet to helmet contact, which they totally missed. Otherwise, they would have had a first down uh, regardless. And also that fourth and one play. And again, Nikki, I want you to answer all this, please. I, I, <laughs> I mean, if it was Patrick Mahomes at the 50 yard line, I can probably understand it being up by five, but it was Chad Henney. This guy's never thrown a pass in his 13 years in the NFL in the playoffs. And you have the guts, the balls of steel, like we said, to call that play Everybody in the world, except for me and a few other people, maybe even you, uh, Damien, the way you were thinking, I'm like, they're actually going to go for it. I didn't think they were going to throw the ball on on one of those quick outs like that. I thought they were going to run it up the gut and they were going to get it. I actually thought they were going for it. But to to really to go for it, Nikki, is incredible because then you give Cleveland the ball at the 50-yard line if you don't get it down by five with the possibility of scoring a touchdown and ruining everything. But I guess it's the genius of, of Andy Reid calling that play and executing it to perfection with Chad Henney. And then again, the Rashard Higgins play where he could have scored, but did not tuck the ball away like Dean. I agree he should have, but in the moment it's really hard. So your thoughts on all that, uh, D, you hit on so many great points over there. That was excellent. So Nikki, I'd love to hear what you got to say about this. Yeah, no, I can't follow up after D. That was amazing. That was an amazing <laughs> recap. I mean, no, you got to tuck the ball away. I, and you're right. You guys, he's probably thinking, yeah, I'm going to be the man. But it, you just, uh, listen, I don't play football. I You just can't always, I don't know. It's hard to, you feel, you feel like you, he's thinking ahead and you can't do that. You kind of just got to take it for what it is in the moment. But that Andy Reid call, I mean, listen, I hated him when he was in the uh, with the Eagles for a reason. That is the genius of Andy Reid. That is Andy Reid knowing his players, knowing what he has, who can execute what, believing in his team. And that is why he gets mad, mad respect from his players. They will go over a cliff for this guy. And don't you just love to see a happy Andy Reid? Like, it is just the best. <laughs> his pressers are the best. His locker room dance, I don't know if you guys saw it, was the best. This brings a smile to my face, and I definitely rewatched those highlights last night. I think everybody loves him because he looks like Santa Claus in a way. Just this big, jolly guy. It's like, how could you not love him? <laughs> you know, but I want to say one more thing. Yo, D, I, I, 
I think Tyron Matthew is the defensive player of the year. This guy has been all over the field all season long, and he keeps doing it in the playoffs. I have to give him a ton of credit. Oh, okay. That's a hot take. Uh, I know most people have given it to Aaron Donald. Um, Tyron Matthew definitely is great. You know, Honey Badger right there, LSU. I knew he was going to be a great player then. And for him, like you said, all over the place, running, he's stopping to run in the passing lanes. Knows exactly where to be. And he almost had another interception um, when it bounced off of Jarvis Landry. Right. Right. And what the hell was Jarvis Landry doing? He, <laughs> he, he, you know, he drops the ball and he's like, oh, well, you know, let it fall into his hands. If it happens, I'm not going anywhere. I was I was pissed at him during that. I did not like that at all. Yeah, it definitely seemed like he should have had more urgency on that one. You definitely got to try to knock the ball down because the way he turned, Tyree Matthew was gone. Like if he oh, caught the gone. ball, he was gone for, he was gone for six. Yep. And another thing that you mentioned was their lack of running the ball. Their identity is running the ball. Yes. That Baker Mayfield, you know, has improved and you trust them. But your identity is running the ball. You have two excellent backs. Run the football. Don't try to play Kansas City's game with Kansas City. No. You can't do that. The way you have a chance in this game is by running the football. And, yeah, like you said, in the first half, they definitely didn't do it enough at all. But still had a chance to be in the game if it wasn't for the Higgins fumble. So they had opportunities. They let slip away from them. You got to, you know, capitalize. They capitalized on the Henny interception, but it took so long on that drive. If I remember correctly, it was like 18 plays, something crazy like that. It was just so methodical. And I guess you take, you know, you take the touchdown, but it took so much time that by the time the other opportunity came around, they had to rush it. Right. Um, So it's little things like that, man, that really make the difference. Absolutely. That's where timeouts come into play, certain things like that. That's why you can't make mistakes early in you know, the third quarter or whatever it may be. Timeouts are very valuable. Uh, you know, they really are. And let me ask you, you know, one more question about this game or the rule in general. Would you guys change the rule or do you like it the way it is? Where Rashad Higgins had the ball, he fumbled it out of the end zone and the other team gets the ball for a touchback. It's been like that, you know, since God created football. But in a way, I feel like it should go to the wide receiver who, or whoever it may be where where he went down or where the ball was fumbled, this case, in the one-yard line. So, you know, I, I, I understand the rule, and it's interesting, Nikki, but I don't know. I mean, that, that's a lot to take away a huge play, something like that, and give the ball to the other team just for knocking it out of bounds and it happened to roll through the end zone. It's something that just, it doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. It's like a really big consequence, isn't it? When it's your team, it's the biggest bullshit call ever. (laughs) Yeah. I love this rule. No, I'm with you. I don't know what the answer would be, but yeah, there is something about it that you're just kind of like, damn, that's like a lot to take away. Right. It is a lot. Yeah. Right. Damien. Like I can remember, remember champ Bailey running down Ben Watson I mean, uh, the, I'm sorry, the other way, Ben Watson running down Champ Bailey and uh, other plays that we've seen go through the end zone, like Dom Beebe in the Super Bowl against uh, Leon Lett and the Cowboys and stuff. So I don't know. What do you think here, man? Yeah, no, I agree with you. It is kind of weird because if that ball goes out at the one, they get to keep it. Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, it doesn't really make sense that if it goes out the end zone, it's a touchback for the other team. Maybe it should be a back to the 20 for the team who had the ball. Um, you shouldn't get – rewarded okay. is because you got lucky that the ball went out the end zone by getting the ball back. Maybe it's like, okay, the ball went out the end zone. 
will it'll be a quote unquote touchback. You got to go to the 20 yard line, but you still have possession of the ball. I would even take that. That's fair. I, I, I think really anything but giving it to the other team in that kind of situation just doesn't work. You know, it doesn't work. It's just, again, you, you have an oblong, weird ball shape that bounces all sorts of different ways. And you have 700 pound men who can't even squash on the damn thing. And it rolls out of the end zone. I mean, it's just the way the ball bounces. So I guess it's a game of inches, as they call it. Gosh, Union just... for a commissioner. Campaign <laughs> 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 going. Let's go. Oh, man. Well, speaking of Damien, we oh. have to get to his team right now. This will be the last part of the ranting recap where we go over it. Um, Damien, the floor is going to be yours for the most part. Well, I'll just give a few stats over here. Um, Breeze, obviously not his greatest game. We all know that he's dealing with injuries and father time and all that, whatever. 19 for 34, 134 yards, a touchdown passing and a QB sneak, but three interceptions, very undrew Brees like. Uh, Jameis Winston was the was another one with a touchdown pass for fifty six yards. They executed the play that Chicago couldn't the week before, so that was so ironic and hysterical. I loved it. Um, Kamara run for, ran for eighty five yards without Latavius Murray. Traquan Smith was your guy. Whether you're talking about special teams, he had two grabs for eighty five yards, uh, touchdown. Uh, two touchdowns, as a matter of fact, but where was Michael Thomas? You know, that was, he was invisible that game. Brady didn't have a wonderful game. He was 18 to 33, 199 yards. He did have two touchdown passes and a QB sneak himself. Fournette and Jones had 63 and 62 yards on the ground, respectively. They ran the ball 30 times. And if you want play action to work, you run the ball 30 times. And Cameron Brady ended up being the leading wide receiver with 50 yards. So, Brady was really checking down and throwing to his tight ends all day because his receivers were not getting the job done. Antonio Brown was out. Curtis Godwin, like you mentioned last week, couldn't catch a cold. Mike Evans getting frustrated, even though he did have that one touchdown. There's more for me to say on this, but I got to hear from you guys. Nikki, give me a quick synop- you know, a synopsis from you. And then Damian, you know, I know that your eyes were glued to every second of this game, as were all of ours, but it's your team. So we're going to go to you last. So Nikki... Uh, all those stats being said and the way that the game played out, we talked about Bruce Arians being back to his old ways, you know, risk it, no biscuit type of thing. But then things started to change around for Tampa offensively, didn't it? It did. Um, I know. And I am, D, I'm so heartbroken for you. I'm heartbroken for myself because I picked the Saints. I'm heartbroken for Drew Brees because you hate to see the greats go out like that. And I am sure if he could take that game back, he would. Um I just want to add one little stat and then really this has should be Damien's, you know, thing here, of course, yeah. um, that Tampa Bay defense came to play. They forced four turnovers, right? Including three Drew Brees interceptions. And here's just a little fun fact. Each of the team's takeaways belong to someone under 25. So Sean Murphy Bunting's 23, Devin White is 24, Mike Edwards 24, uh, Winfield is 22. So my point is, this is a young, hungry group. And just as a fan of the sport, I love to see these young kids come up and start to emerge. But D, this is obviously, you take it away. Go for it, man. I, <laughs> yeah, no, that's I a... Uh, it's a great point you, you know that you pointed out, Nikki. There with their defense, their defense played great, and it's going to be great for years to come if they're able to re-sign those guys. Um, for me, there was a lot of just key moments that stick out. First one, our defense comes out on fire, forces a three and out, 
We get a punt. Deontay Harris takes it back to the 20-yard line. We're on the opponent's 20-yard line. We settle for a field goal. Um, it was a great effort by Michael Thomas to try to catch that ball. His knee just came down out of bounds. It, was a, it would have been a crazy one-hand catch if his knee would have came down in bounds yeah. for that touchdown catch. But you settle for a field goal there. Key point. Uh, then we have another Deontay Harris great punt return that was brought back on a very, very touchy uh, block in the back call um, that easily. So right there, you're looking at 14, nothing very easily. And that can change the whole complexion of the game. Um, and the first Drew Brees interception was so bad. It was so bad when Michael Thomas isn't open at all. You don't even throw it high enough to give Michael Thomas a chance to get it. And, you know, they get, it brought down to the three yard line, which gets Michael Evans or his one catch for one touchdown. And it was just a turnover that killed us, man. The one that I really think was the killer was the Jared Cook fumble. We're driving down the field. We're up 20 to 13 at this point, driving down the field. And he catches the ball for a first down and is carrying the ball like it's groceries on the second trip because he didn't want to make it. And it's just... <laughs> It just, I'm like, hold the ball on tight, man. I was so, I, I saw it coming. I saw it coming as he was holding the ball so loosely. I'm like, first of all, you're not that fast. The guy's going to catch up to you. Hold the ball, get the first down, go down. And he just didn't do it. That fumble really changed everything because if we drive down the field, even if we get a field goal, we go up 23 to 13, their offense did not score a touchdown without a turnover. So anytime they scored a touchdown, it was off of a turnover by us, and they started on our side of the field. Right. Anytime they started a possession on Tampa Bay side of the field, they either punted ourselves for a field goal. So our defense did a great job when it wasn't put in a very bad position by our offense. Uh, the last interception was off of Jared Cook's hands. So it really came down to Drew Brees and Jared Cook in those turnovers. That's what cost us the game. Like you mentioned, Tom Brady wasn't great. Um, they did run a ball a lot, but it wasn't like their running game was dominant. Um, they had some big runs towards the end of the game when our defense was exhausted, but it wasn't like they were killing us. Um, Leonard Fournette in the passing game was a big thing. Uh, we're missing Quan Alexander, our excellent linebacker, who really turned our defense into the top defense in the league when he came in. He tore his Achilles, so he was out there with Alex Anzalone, who's good, but not Quan Alexander. And you saw that when Leonard Fournette was out there getting, you know, He's not normally the guy you think of as a receiving back, but he was out there doing big things and got a touchdown. So it's definitely very painful to lose in that way. Um, but at least it wasn't the no call in NOLA or a, a Minnesota miracle. Mm. Uh, this one was just us not playing well. It wasn't anything crazy. Today being the anniversary of the no call in NOLA, you know, I had some a-hole sending me the video. You remember this? <laughs> <laughs> so Don't yeah. Don't trolls. <clears throat> <laughs> Yeah, so it it definitely was a painful loss, but we had our opportunities, and now we have to look to the future and see what we do from there because we have a very interesting offseason coming up. Yes, definitely a very, very interesting offseason coming up. Uh, like you said, Drew Brees retiring. I wish, in a way, you know, he could have gone out, you know, like John Elway and some of the others, you know, riding, you know, the horse into the sunset and all that and everything because he deserves it. But there's nothing to take away from Drew Brees and what he's done for this franchise, really rejuvenating them completely from the bottom up. So I give him all the credit in the world. I wish him all the best. We're going to be hearing him apparently on what, CBS next year or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, tough game. The New Orleans uh, Saints looks like 
They controlled the first half for the most part. They even scored the first touchdown coming out of the half. That Jared Cook fumble was it. I totally agree with you. And you're right. They did play good defense for the most part. Um, But, yeah, when you're stuck in your own territory, then you got big problems happening. And Brady was able to make certain plays, and they kept with the run and did what they did. And it was a very good game. I was entertained all the way, but obviously you score that last touchdown, game over. So there you go. Um, People said that the Bucs may be the toughest matchup for Green Bay. We're going to find out real soon. All right. We're going to be back also in 30 seconds. We got a lot more to do for you. Knowledge with Nikki coming up. Mount play a player. All sorts of great stuff. Q&A from you guys. So hang in there for 30 seconds. We'll be right back with some music and a lot more football. The bed feels warmer sleeping here alone. You know I dream in color and do the things I want. You think you got the best of me? You think you've had the last night? But you think that everything good is gone. All right, all right. Continuing the alphabet action is we're on letter K today and keeping it rolling through the third and three podcast. Ready to rock and roll, keeping it going. We got Damian Adams. We got Nikki Giss, who's about to get tricky on Knowledge with Nikki and me, Jason Fearman. Third and Three Podcast family gave our shout outs earlier. We love you guys. We appreciate it. I wanted to mention one thing real quick to you guys um, before we get into Knowledge with Nikki. I did put a poll up today for where the best landing spot for Deshaun Watson, if he is in fact traded and, you know, most likely and realistic. So I put up Jets, Bears, 49ers and then I threw a a weird one in there the Vikings who came to mind who would definitely be an upgrade over Kirk Cousins but overall the Jets blew it away with 51.5 percent of the vote I was kind of shocked I thought I may see more Bears more Niners but the Jets got more than half percent of the vote over there so I don't know if it's a lot of New Yorkers Nikki going on over there by the tri-state area or if the Sean Watson may be just the best fit for the Jets we'll see I kind of highly doubt it but what do you guys think out of those four teams? Which would be the best team? Uh, I have to go with San Francisco. That's a team that's right now ready to win. If you add Deshaun Watson, they made it to Super Bowl with Jimmy G. So if you add Deshaun Watson to that mix with a healthy team, of course, is the main thing. A healthy San Francisco team, got to give the edge to them because that would be deadly. A top five quarterback with Kyle Shanahan, uh, that's deadly. Oh. God, I would love it. It would just make my day. Again, the Bears can use him. Everybody can use him. The Jets can use him, even though there's nothing around there. The Vikings, I think they would do all right. I'm with you on the 49ers. But, Nikki, some wrote in Washington uh, as the team. And that kind of makes a little sense also. You got a pretty good defense going on over there. Get a couple more playmakers. And, you know, no offense. I'm not trying to be funny. But the NFC East is not that strong. So that could be a division they could take over. 
I'm just running through the teams in my head and like, what team doesn't need him? Kansas City, Green Bay, like everybody else. You better <laughs> just like sell your children. You're Philip Rivers, nine kids, looking at someone's username here. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, no, don't come to New York. Do not come to the Jets. I don't know why you would do that to yourself. Plus, I can't stomach that. Don't come to the NFC East. Yep, go to the 49ers. Sounds great. <laughs> Right. Go to the 49ers. Sounds great. That, that's what we'll do. Hey, listen, I like I said, I will take it all freaking day long. I would be so, so happy. Let's pull it off, whether it's got to be a trick or not. And speaking of trick, let's get into the awesome song, Knowledge with Nikki. You know how it goes. You could probably sing along by now. Has what we all do the over here. I don't know record. what Spreaker's talking about. I could care less about them. What I care about is the song right now. So let's get this bad boy pumping up. Bingo! This piece is my recital. I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right, on top of tricky. Here we go! It's tricky to rock around, to rock around. That's right, on top is tricky. It's tricky, 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 tricky. All right, we're about to get into knowledge with Nikki, which is always tricky. Never know what's coming out, never know what's going to happen, but. She does hard work. She does great work for Damien and I to go head to head on these trivia questions. Sometimes it's sports. Sometimes it's about George Washington. Sometimes it's about the first fantasy team ever created. So what <laughs> week, Nikki? Oh, man. This week we're staying with sports. So you guys should, you know, feel good about that. And I, I do. I feel great about this. But real quick. So last night I was doing my Peloton workout. And the instructor put up her warm up music and it was the song. And I was like, oh shit, I'm warming up to my theme song. Like, <laughs> <laughs> nice. It nice. was great. So we know that, including this past weekend, Tom Brady has the most postseason wins at 32. So I want to see how many you guys can get. I'm going to give you each five quarterbacks and you tell me how many postseason wins they have. Ooh, Ooh, I like okay. that one. Hey, just, just to give you guys a little behind the scenes, I'm scared right now because I've been messing with Nikki since they had the <laughs> argument. They had, they had the argument about Philip Rivers being the Hall of Famer. I've been changing my username on Zoom to different Philip Rivers things to say he's a Hall of Famer. So now I'm scared about these questions when it comes to Naj with Nikki. Oh, well, yep, you may be in for it. She may have changed a few over the break. It's very common. Yeah, you, you never know. How would you ever know? Every <laughs> stuff coming up over here. Oh, boy. All right, I got my pen and paper ready to write down the questions. So I guess, uh, is it Damien going first with his five? I went first last week, or am I wrong? Yep, Damien goes first. And all I'm going to do is give you the quarterback, and you give me their po- how many postseason wins they've had. Okay. Right, sounds good. All right, D, let's start it off. Cordell Stewart. Oh, Cordell Stewart from my hometown, Monroe, Louisiana. Uh, Cordell Stewart, playoff wins. I'm going to say that he had three playoff wins. Jay? I'm just going from memory over here. I only remember him winning one playoff game. He won two. Oh, my God. Right in the middle. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay, D. How about Mark Sanchez? Mark Sanchez. Some 
surprisingly deep playoff runs for Mark Sanchez there. I'm going to go with – did he win four? I'm going to say four. He did. Nice job. Oh, man, I had four written down too. Good job. <laughs> Good job, bro. All right, D, how about Joe Flacco? Oh, Joe Flacco. Okay. Mm. That's a good one. I gotta count, I gotta count a little bit in my head on this one. <laughs> um, I'm going to say eight for Joe Flacco. Jay? I was gonna say seven. Ten. Wow. Oh, Interesting. Ten for that. Okay. I know you had four the year they won the Super Bowl. Right. Yeah. Right. That's right. And I was thinking Pittsburgh games and everything like that, getting to a couple of championships. All right, 10. Okay. Okay, Joe. All right. Okay. <laughs> How about our boy Phil Sims? Oh, Phil Sims. That's a good one. Uh, I'm going to say that Phil Sims had five playoff wins. Jay? Okay, I'm just trying to go through my head with um, 86. I'm going to say four. Six. Mm. Uh, I'm just missing these. (laughs) (laughs) All right, D, how about, this is your fifth and final, unless you're going to steal from Jay, but how about Kurt Warner? Oh, Kurt Warner. Wow. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm going to say that Kurt Warner had nine playoff wins. Yes. Son of a gun. Look at you go. <laughs> nice boy. job. Look okay. go. Yes. Good job. Thanks, <laughs> D. Well done, my friend. All right. Watch Jason get all five. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jay, you ready? I guess so. It's, it's going to be hard to beat, but I'm ready. All right. How about Ron Jaworski? Oh, that's a good one. Of course, she has to go back to freaking 1800s for me. But all right. <laughs> Not all of them. All right, Jaws. I know they went to a Super Bowl. They didn't win it. So I know of... Uh, all right, I'll just try to be safe. Three. D? I'm going to say... Four. Four it is. Wow, this guy's killing me today. (laughs) (laughs) Too easy, man. All right, Jay, how about Trent Dilfer? Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer, okay. I'm going to go with son of a gun. Two. D? Shit. I can't remember if that Ravens team was a wild card or not that year. He got carried to the Super Bowl. Uh, He did. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to say four. Five. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jay. How about Ken Stabler? 
why do you keep giving me this? Because <laughs> you guys are yeah. too good. I got to keep I thought, on your toes. I thought you had it out for D today. Not, all right. <laughs> you battled me earlier. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> sure, we did go at it. Uh, Ken Stabler. All love. Good old lefty. Number 12. Is that enough? Nope. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, wow. All those battles with Pittsburgh. Um, I'm going to say that Stabler won five. Damien? Damn it. Uh, I'm going to say Ken Stabler. I'm going to say four. Seven. Oh. I had a feeling it was hard. Shoot. Oh, man. All the best I could do is tie right now. All right, Jay. Two left. Two left. Come on, Jay. Come on, Jay. Donovan McNabb. Donovan McNabb. All right. So basically the early 2000s for the most part, but more than that. Okay. 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 Here we go. Um, I'm going to say nine. Yes. All right. All right, wow. I could tie it. I could tie it. High number right there for McNabb. A lot of a lot of yeah. title runs, though. Exactly. They were in the NFC Championship <laughs> every year, you know. So yeah. tried counting the best I could. All right, I got to tie this thing. No, I can't tie. Damien's can't got tie three. It. That's right. That's right. Damien's got three. All right. Well, let me try to save a little face over here and get the last one. All right, uh, Cam Newton. Newton. Interesting. Okay. That's a good one, Nikki. I got to think about this for a minute. Hmm. Is it as simple as that? Um, I'm going to say two. D? Oh. I'm going to say three. It is three. Of course, right? it's always one more. Yeah. Like, yeah. Playing price is right over here. One dollar. Yeah. All right. Get at No, good job, D. No, because I, I remember the two, the Super Bowl year, and they had that one, that crazy year, they went seven, eight, and one. Oh, that's a very good memory then. Oh, nice. That's very Nice good. job. So we end the day four to one. Yeah, D, you kicked my butt, man. Good for you, bro. Good for you. You and your one dollar Bob Boy. <laughs> you know, he's like, <laughs> I'm totally playing, man. Well done. All right. This week goes to you, Danny, and the real deal. The real Thank deal. you, sir. Thank you, sir. Round of applause. Well good job. Excellent. I love man. these questions, Nikki. This wasn't good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was expecting some conference championship questions, but I, I know you, you can never know what to expect when it comes to knowledge with Nikki. So you just let the brain go and see what happens right there. That's it. All right. So well done. Love it. Love it. Knowledge with Nikki is a staple on third and three podcast, as is Mount Playa. Playa. And this time, speaking of conference championships, we're going to do our best conference championships that we've seen that we love, that we know, whatever it may be. We can go any direction that we want. I wrote down just one extra because I have a feeling I know where some of you guys are going. I don't know for sure, but let's start it out. 
Ladies first, Nikki, after that great performance of Knowledgement, Nikki, even though I should give it a Damien for kicking my butt on the thing. Ladies first, what do you got for your number four? So my number four is the 2015 AFC Championship, Brady versus Manning, or as we like to all call it, the final chapter. I just, I put this game on here because I feel like you know, one out of respect for the game and what those two quarterbacks have meant to the game and how they've shaped the league um, alone. It, it And that it was just kind of fitting for where we're at today with, you know, the next crop of quarterbacks retiring. Um, but, you know, no, I don't think Manning was at, you know, his peak by any means, but he still managed to surprise the Patriots. Two touchdown passes to Owen Daniels gives the Broncos a 14-6 lead. Um, But as we remember that day belongs to the defense. Von Miller had a goddamn field day that day. Sack Brady 2.5 times picking him off. Um, basically just took the game over. Um, And as we've seen it so many times before, under two minutes, here we go. Brady to Gronk, four-yard touchdown, 12 seconds left, uh, two-point conversion, not so much. Brady gets intercepted. Manning ends up riding off into the sunset, Super Bowl 50 win. But I just thought it was fitting for where we're at today in the league. And I feel like they definitely should be on someone's list. No, I like that a lot. Yeah, I got no problem with that whatsoever. It makes sense. You're talking about two legends last time that they played each other and everything. Why why wouldn't that be on the list? So well done right there. Got no problem with that one. Not for one second. Excellent. All right, D, how about your four? On number four, I'm actually going to say something nice about the Atlanta Falcons. Um, I threw them off a little bit when I said that, but I have to give them their credit in the 1998 NFC Championship game when they defeated the Minnesota Vikings. That was probably arguably one of the best teams to not win a championship, the 98 Vikings. And Atlanta played a hell of a game, defeating them 30 to 27. Chris Chandler, a name you probably haven't heard in a very long time. <laughs> he went 27 for 43, 340 yards, three touchdowns in that one. Um, Tony Martin, another name you probably haven't heard in a long time. Five receptions for 129 yards for Atlanta in that game. Also had 73 yards receiving from Terrence Mathis in this game. And for Minnesota, they just didn't have that same type of explosion that they had all season, right? You had Randy Moss, who had just been running past everybody that whole year. He had 75 yards receiving, one touchdown on six catches, but it came on 13 targets. So you see how Atlanta was able to affect them. Robert Smith only had 71 yards rushing. So Atlanta's defense came to play. They also had the famous missed field goal by Gary Anderson um, for Minnesota, which will live in infamy. Um, But I still remember that game like it was yesterday because I just thought for sure the Vikings were going to win a championship that year. And the fact that they didn't, Atlanta went, definitely was a shocker there. Bro, I'm sharing my number four with you. I I have another number four, which relates close to your heart. So I'm going to let you have it. We probably both know what we're talking about at this point, but I did have this as my number four also. And to add on to everything that you said, and there's not much more I can say because you broke it down perfectly with Gary Anderson, who hadn't missed a field goal all season long, misses the field goal, which would have put up, uh, I'm sorry, the Vikings 30 to 10, I think at that point. And the game is basically going to be over. Here's all the irony in this thing. 
it was a 38-yard kick that he missed. Anderson was 38 for 38 on the season, perfect regular season. All right, not in the postseason where he missed that field goal, like I said, in crucial time. So Falcons quarterback, like you said, Chris Chandler drove Atlanta down the field, hooked up with Terrence Mathis. It was a 16-yard touchdown. And in overtime, both teams got the ball. They both had to punt, but eventually the Falcons got in the field goal range with an attempt to go to their first Super Bowl. Another legendary kicker named Anderson, Morton Anderson this time, came out for the try. And Morton Anderson, guess how long the field goal was? 38 yards. <laughs> Unbelievable. The lefty put it through, and they go to their first Super Bowl only to get orange crushed by the freaking Denver Broncos. So I share them with that one with you, my friend. I, th- I remember it like it was yesterday, too. I was on the edge of my seat, and I still can't believe that the 15-1 and Vikings lost to the Falcons team, who I despised for beating the 49ers in the division around that year. They killed us. So I was rooting very hard against Atlanta and not happy that they won. So I certainly share that one with you. It was an amazing, amazing game, no doubt. So well done there, D. I'm with you. Nikki, we're on three. We're on three. Here we go. Um, so I'm sure everybody is not going to be surprised where I go for number two and one. So my <laughs> three is uh, 2013 Seahawks, San Francisco. And look, I like I went more recent because truthfully, I just I, I don't know. Maybe I have recency bias. Um, I don't really have any like rhyme or reason to this pick other than that. It gave us the most epic, epic Richard Sherman rant ever. Um, (laughs) And yes, I did watch it on loop last night and I just, you know, he just on the best corner in the game. Would you try me with a starting receiver like Crabtree, but Crabtree actually did beat you a little bit. Um, (laughs) And I just looking at poor Aaron Andrews face was just absolutely priceless. And she's like, well, who's talking about you? And he's yelling (laughs) Crabtree. And I just, you know what, just for that alone, I put it on my list. I think that's great. I think that's great. Again, not happy about the outcome of the game. I remember it very, very well. Seahawks were tough as hell, but we played them tough uh, always. And Yep, they came out on top, the Legion of, uh, of Boom over there. So well done for them, winning the Super Bowl that year also against Peyton Manning, ironically. But, uh, yeah, let's continue on number three, D. Yeah, and just to add to Nikki's, that was an excellent game. That rant, like you said, classic, classic rant. Like, you just want to get hyped up about yeah. a game. Just watch that rant. Excellent. And it was a great play he made at the end there because it was a good throw. Like, Crabtree beat him by a couple yards, but he was able to – Um, make that comeback and, you know, get there to block the ball away. So, yeah, it was a great game. And for my number three is one that's close to my heart. It was January 24th, 2010. So it feels like such a long time ago now. It was actually my 20th birthday. And the Saints Saints gave me one of the best gifts. you have a birthday coming up? Yeah, I do. Oh, shit. You celebrate. (laughs) we got definitely got to celebrate but yeah so january 24th 2010 my 20th birthday the saints defeated the minnesota vikings it was 31 to 28 classic game went to overtime we had to kick the field going overtime Um, and the reason that we even got a chance to win the game is brett Favre not doing what he did all season so you talked about the how ironic it was, all the 38s that came up with the 98 game. 
this was the year that Brett Favre didn't throw interceptions. He was great right. during the regular season, had less than 10 interceptions, and for a moment slipped back to being the old Brett Favre, threw it across his body in the middle of the field. And Tracy Porter, who was the defensive hero for that whole entire playoffs, right? I'm pretty sure we'll get into our Super Bowl countdown either next week or the week after, and I'll have to bring him up again. But he <laughs> made a he, he made a great play and secured the game or got us back into the game, I should say. And one thing I remember from that game, I'll never forget. Adrian Peterson couldn't hold on to the ball, mm-hmm. but we couldn't recover the fumbles because he's the fastest crawler I've ever seen in my life. I don't know if you remember the play, <laughs> the play I'm talking about. He fumbled it and the ball popped like 10 yards in front of him. He didn't have time to get up. He bear crawled and it was the fastest bear crawl I've ever seen in my life. And he got to the ball. And I remember just screaming so loud, like, get the ball, get the ball. And he, and he just bear crawled and getting to the point he saying could. Uh, it was like I said, crazy game. Drew Brees didn't have the best game that game. It was more, it was, you know, a collective effort in that one. But I was just glad he was able to do enough in that one to get to the Super Bowl. Like I said, best birthday present ever. And I was watching the game with a Vikings fan who was losing his mind when Brett Favre threw the ball across his body at Tracy Porter. It was epic. I was in uh, Navy A school at the time in Mississippi. So we had nothing else to do but to watch this game. And <laughs> It was just epic, man. And like I said, me and the guy are still friends to this day. And like I said, I'll bring that up and he'll bring up the Minnesota Miracle. So we both have our things to bring up on each other. But it was the epic game. I'll never forget it. Yo, man, listen, that was on my list too. And that was the one I wanted to give to you, obviously. I wanted you to have all the say in that. That was my interchangeable four and five. And real quick, you know, you, you mentioned how Adrian Peterson had to get to 10 yards, you know, basically without getting up. That's why they do the crab crawl drills in football. That's exactly why, because sometimes you just can't get on your feet. You have to crab crawl, which we called it, you know, where I, where I played and everything. Uh, so that's what we, we hated those drills, but now we know why they made us do it. So I totally understand. I'm with you on that game. I had that one written down. Everything you said I had written down, so I need not go over it anymore, except to give my number three, Nikki, here's a belated Christmas present to you. All right, it's 1990, the Giants, big underdogs against the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are looking to three-peat, winning in 88 and 89. New York had a tough, nasty, hard-hitting defense. After Leonard Marshall nearly killed Joe Montana in that game with a smashing sack to his backside, the Niners basically knew that they were in for it. It was over. They were up 13-9 to at that point still when that play happened in the fourth quarter, but after a Giants uh, late field goal, making the score 13 to 12, Roger Craig fumbles the freaking ball. And of course the Giants recover and Jeff Hostetler, not even Phil Sims drives big blue close enough for a Matt Barr freaking fucking field goal attempt. And it's good game over. And of course the Giants go on to win the Super Bowl that year. So you know what? It was not one touchdown in that entire game, so people would be bored to death. But knowing the Giants and Niners rivalry back in that day and how much they hated each other and despised each other and just everything that happened in that game. Again, Joe Montana almost getting broken in half by Leonard Marshall. So you know what? The Niners went for the three-peat, couldn't get there because the Giants stood in their way. Way to go, Nikki, as you were, I believe, four years old at that point. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> Maybe, yeah. So I'll, I, I gave you the recap for that. The, the Giants took care of the Niners, and um, I just thought it belonged, even though I don't, I don't like it. I thought it belonged because it was a classic game, and I remember it very well. So that is my number three. Uh, my two and one, I can't wait to get to. I wonder if you guys have the same ones up there. So let's hear it. Nikki, what's your two? Uh, OJ, I think we're going to share one probably, <laughs> maybe, or maybe it's your two or one. Uh, my two, um, I'm going Homer, just so we all know. I'm sure we know that's coming. Uh, <laughs> 2007 Giants versus Packers, or as we all like to call it, Ice Bowl 2. Um like let's just it was one degree below zero and a wind chill of minus 23 and a full moon in green bay like hmm. it is 21 degrees in jersey right now and i just don't ever want to leave the house till we hit 70 which is in like june so <laughs> i can't imagine playing in this weather but so the giants trailing by three points little over two minutes to go Two completions, manning the Steve Smith, sets up the game-tying field goal, and here we go into overtime, and I literally just want to pass out. I can't take the stress. I don't even know what to do with myself. I'm pacing around, probably broke my remote, throwing, like, I just, I didn't even know what to do with myself. So, in overtime, Corey Webster intercepts Brett Favre, right, and the rest is just history, and my big three takeaways from this game is Watching back the Eli Manning Plaxico Burst connection, that really was a thing of beauty. Like, I miss watching that. Um, and it was amazing. Two, we will never forget Tom Coughlin's frozen face. I mean, that is oh just, he looked like a frozen turkey. Um, and then three, that sweet, sweet call. And Lawrence Times just kicked the Giants to the Super Bowl. So that is my number two. Hey, and that's a damn good one. There's no doubt. Everybody remembers that game. It looked like it was the coldest game in NFL history, even though I remember one with Cincinnati and San Diego like back in like 81 that was like negative 41 degrees on the field. I don't even know how that's freaking possible. But, yeah, that game is very, very memorable. There's no doubt about it. Let's keep it going with our number twos, D. For my number two, got to go with Peyton Manning finally getting over to Tom Brady Hill, 2006. They defeated the Patriots 38 to 34 in the AFC championship game. It had to come back from 18 points down to do it. Great game. It was something that you just felt good. Even as, you know, you're not a Colts fan. You just felt good for Colts fans for finally getting over that hump. Uh, I remember, you know, Joseph Adai scoring that touchdown. There was news in Louisiana because he was a LSU guy. And it just was a good win for them and a great game. Um, that came from two teams they didn't expect to be in that game that year. And I, that, that one just stood out to me. Manny had a great day, 349 yards. And this game had three touchdowns by offensive linemen in this one. So it was a weird game, but it was enough for the Colts to win this one. And it was a really good matchup. Man, we're really sharing the same mind today, bro. I had that at number two also. We are, we are really connected with this one. You're right, 38-34, 2006. The Pats owned the Colts. They meet again in Indianapolis in the AFC Championship game, so it's in their house. Before you know it, Asante Samuel picks off Manning. It's 21-3. to You're like, oh, freak. Here we go again. Same old story. But Peyton comes back, throws two TDs in the second half, along with Jeff Saturday, like you mentioned, offensive lineman falling on a fumble and right in the end zone for six more points. And now the Colts have the lead, but 
Brady has time to score. I'm on the edge of my seat. I may have been floating actually watching this game. And just when you think Brady is going to do it again, Marlon Jackson, Colts defensive back, flies into your screen and picks off Brady to secure the trip to the Super Bowl. D, I'm with you all day on that game. That was for the Colts. I loved it because I was more of a Peyton Manning fan than Tom Brady fan. Didn't like Bill Belichick or the Patriots altogether. So I love that moment as if it was my own team. So it, just fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So I'm with you 1 billion percent as we get to our number ones. Let's do it. Let's do it, Jay. We could share this maybe if you want to. I know 2011 Giants, 49ers. I feel like this game is underrated and doesn't get talked about a lot. Um, but I swear the 49ers beat the hell out of Eli Manning, how this guy kept getting up hit after hit after hit. I mean, they don't call him Iron Man for nothing. Like it was just absolutely vicious. Um, I really was like, Oh God, we don't have a shot in hell. Like there's just no way, but I, I will say that I think this game probably was a career-defining moment for Eli Manning. Um, Giants coming off that Green Bay win. They stunned the Packers. Packers were 15-1. and one. Niners, you guys are coming off that your win against the Saints. Um, so we all came full circle here. Um, San Fran was, what, 13-3 and three that season? We were 9-7. and seven, So I just didn't think they had a shot in hell. Um, but... Giants offense, you know, some muff punts, Tom Coughlin challenge, Giants taking advantage of field position, overtime, a gritty, gritty performance by Eli Manning. And here we go on to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And you are all welcome. Let me tell you something. That definitely was not my number one. You'd have to be out of your freaking mind to think that is my favorite <laughs> championship game of all time. Not that it wasn't a great game. And you're right. I'll give Eli Manning so much credit because he did get the crap kicked out of him. He had dirt all over, his, all over his jersey that day. No doubt about it. I give him a ton of credit. They hung in there. And, yeah, even with me thinking Eli Manning is not the greatest, um, he, I, I still felt that I'm like, this is not going to go good for us. And you're right. You guys did it. And you went on to win the Super Bowl. So congrats to you. My number one's coming up, but we're ready for Damien's. So for my number one, got to go 2018 AFC Championship game. New England Patriots defeat the Kansas City Chiefs 37-31. Crazy back and forth game. And I felt like we saw a passing of the torch. Even though Tom Brady ultimately won the game, we knew what the future was for Patrick Mahomes in this one. And it just made it such a good game with them two guys going back and forth. Even with Kansas City's penalty being a reason that New England won the game mm-hmm. and, you know, having a, a neutral zone in fact, infraction on a play where it was picked off. That's a little bittersweet, but the game itself was super good. Just remember some of the clutch plays that were made during the game from both teams. Excellent. Just well played, well coached. And at the time you just felt horrible for Andy Reid, who was still trying to get over that Super Bowl hump. And you just knew eventually with Patrick Mahomes, he'll be able to get there with what we saw in that game. Yeah, man. Passing of the torch is right. But I don't know if Brady's, Brady is ready to pass it yet. He's Maybe they'll meet up in the Super Bowl. And, oh, man, would that be amazing. Talk about the young versus the old. That, that would be just incredible. But, yep, that was a highly entertaining game just a couple of years ago. Game is awesome. No doubt about it. So full props over there. 
before we get to commercial break, let me give you mine number one. And this goes back a bit, guys. It goes back to 1981. No, I did not watch it live. I was only one years old, but I have watched the game actually, I think, three times already because <laughs> I love it so much. So back in 1981, the 49ers playing the Cowboys. This game is the catch game, guys. Montana to Dwight Clark in the back of the end zone. So miraculous. Game winner. Dallas is up 27 to 21, but cool Joe, man, leads an 89-yard drive, ending in, again, the TD catch to win the game 28-27. Clark had eight catches for 120 yards, two touchdowns that game. The relevance of this game was so high because it ended the era of the Dallas Cowboys' dominance in the NFC through the 70s. You know, or, you know, trying to go into the early 80s and all that. And it put the 49ers into NFL lore with four rings in that decade in the 80s. So they totally took it over, totally took over Dallas. And again, that was their division that year. That was their conference. That was their league winning four Super Bowls in the 1980s. I know we can compare to Tom Brady all day, but the 49ers and Cowboys have such a long history where that really started everything. That was the beginning of our rivalry with the Cowboys, and it continued not as much to this day because they're not always both great, obviously, but, again, the catch, everybody knows it. Number 87, Dwight Clark coming down, having that little spike at the end, and Joe Montana just, again, you know, pit, you know, hitching, hitching as long as he possibly can until he sees somebody in the back of the end zone and just hurls it up there, and Dwight Clark gets it, so... That's my number one. Niners obviously went on to win the Super Bowl that year against the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, believe it or not. Um, And then years later, they played them again and beat them again. So four Super Bowls in that decade alone. And that game, again, just started everything for the 49ers. And that's what ultimately made me a 49er fan because of my father. So, guys, that's the story right there. And that is Mount Player Player, our favorite, our best championship games that we've seen, whether it's relevant to our team or just a great game in general. So I think that was well done by everybody over there. Good job, guys. I like the games. And Damien, we were on point right there sharing the same mind. Yeah, man, it was a great list from everybody. Some great memories there. So I definitely love doing these Mount Player Players where we can be nostalgic and go back. Definitely. Definitely. It's awesome. And uh, Nikki, I, I know you love it. You get your giants in there and it's well-deserved and, and they should be, and they should be. So, Hey, we still got some more coming for you guys. We got the Q and a session coming up next, and then we're going to break down all the playoff games. So we're here for you guys. Third and three podcasts, get ready for the Q and a session. You guys ask the questions. We're going to do our best to answer them and a lot more. So a 30 second break and the three of us will be right back. Okay, let's.
You know you all love that song right there. KC and the Sunshine Band. Don't tell me you weren't toe-tapping right there. I know you weren't. Don't even try to fool me right now because we know. Third and Three Podcast is back. All right. As promised, it is Q&A session. You guys ready to do this or what? Because we got some questions here that we got to answer. Yes, sir. Let's do All it. right. Let's get this thing going over here. All right. We have a... I don't even know how many questions, but let's go through them. First, I got Bob Lazari, all right, at Bob underscore Lazari, L-A-Z-Z-A-R-I. Um, he asked, and this is kind of pertaining to you, Damien, asked the Saints, did the Saints underachieve since Breeze returned? And he's pointing out that maybe Sean Payton is partially to blame for the play calling, the fact that Michael Thomas was basically invisible. Maybe that had something to do with the injury not throwing the ball to Kamara out of the backfield. So he's kind of putting some blame on Sean Payton over here for the way things have gone, have gone since Drew Brees has returned. Do you agree with that at all? Uh, underachieved is, is tough. We do have a Super Bowl roster, but Brees at this point, I don't believe is a Super Bowl quarterback. I think that got exposed in this game. Uh, the reason that we couldn't get the ball to Camara is that Devin White did a hell of a job. He's a <laughs> he's a great linebacker, and he's somebody who gives all teams issues when they try to throw to their running backs at the backfield. You mentioned Michael Thomas is having ankle surgery. He was supposed to have it earlier and, you know, put it to the wayside to try to go after the Super Bowl. Um, so he was compromised. So we underachieved the past four years. You can say that we didn't get a Super Bowl in this run where we put – everything on the line. And the reason that we have such an interesting offseason coming up is that our salary cap is stretched to the fullest. We like, we're like a teenager who got hold of a credit card. Um, <laughs> first one when you're 18. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So it, we definitely maxed it out uh, when it came to our salary cap. So I wouldn't say that we underachieved this year. Uh, I think we were better than the bucks, but I can't put it on Sean Payton. The only thing you can put on Sean Payton, which would be very hard to do, is you can say that maybe he should have realized that Breeze at this point in his career with the lack of arm strength wasn't going to be able to do it. But do you go to Taysom Hill, who wasn't even available in this game? So that means right. you have to go to, to, to Jameis. And with Jameis, we like the reports that we're hearing, but do you trust him in that moment now? Or do you want that full offseason with him? And that's why you maybe like him for next year. So I can't say that we underachieved because of play calling and the things that he mentioned. But I would say that we underachieved at least past four years not getting the Super Bowl with this great team that we had. I think that's fair. That's a fair statement. Uh, Nikki, just to go on further with this question, you know, we know that Drew Brees is gone. Um, do you think that the quarterback of the Saints is on the roster now, or do you think that they're going to be looking? Well, Sean Payton says he likes James Winston, correct? Yeah, that's the report. Yeah, a lot of people say that. Yeah. I mean, we touched on this last week. If, if listen, I, if that's what Sean Payton thinks and that's what he's seeing in practice, I mean, but I guess if you have the opportunity to get like a Deshaun Watson or some, someone of that talent, then it all goes out the window. But pr I would say probably he, I don't know if he's the quarterback of the future, but maybe the next couple of years. 
Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure either. I think that they are going to be looking around. And, yeah, I think that if Taysom Hill was healthy, that the game would have looked a little bit different, definitely knowing that Breeze can't throw the ball down the field as well. So I do understand that, and I hear where he's coming from. But, uh, you know, D, you made a lot of great points. Um, you know, one of them being, you know, the unfortunate side where they had this squad and great head coach, great quarterback, and just couldn't get it done. But you did grab one in 09, so that's not the worst thing in the world. All right, let's go to the next one. We got Dropped Balls Podcast at Dropped Balls Pod. What do we think of Mahomes having a tweaked nerve instead of concussion? He's basically asking, is it crap or fact to get him to play on the field? So we know that NFL teams and really a lot of professional organizations will, you know, cover up certain injuries or certain things. It's a little bit tougher to do nowadays with CTE scans, certain things like that. But he was on the field today in limited practice. Now, I, it, it, it's hard to say, Nikki, if it's, if it's a bunch of crap that they're putting out there, that it's more of a tweaked nerve than a concussion. But I don't think that the Chiefs organization would put him at risk to do something like that. So I do think maybe it has more to do with the tweaked nerve and not a concussion that doesn't usually last that long. So maybe they are full of it. I don't know. What do you think? No, I don't think they're full of it. I, I don't think they would risk it either. I mean, that hit was scary when he stood up. You just kind of like saw it in his eyes. Um, but like you said, I really, I, I highly, highly doubt this organization would put him at risk like that. I mean, that's just a liability and you're asking for it anyway. So, but I, I don't think they'd put him at risk like that. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Damien, do you think differently? No, I agree with you guys. And you also have to remember he has that, I believe it's a hundred and thirty-seven million dollar injury clause in this contract. <laughs> so, oh, <laughs> yeah. So if they were to put him in any type of danger where you know he felt in danger or you know something would happen to his career, that's one hundred and thirty-seven million dollars. They got to come out of their pocket right away instead of over the you know life of the contract. And also, it was a weird way he went down to where I could see how maybe it was something in his neck instead of an actual head injury because it didn't seem like his head hit the ground or. It was a violent head. It was just a weird way he went down with the neck. So I can see how maybe it was a tweaked nerve and that can lead to, you know, someone being woozy. He definitely had, you know, concussion type syndrome, like symptoms when he got up, but right. I wouldn't think they would lie about it. I don't think they would lie about it. No, nah, neither do I. Some say that he had got the wind knocked out of him a little bit and that's why he was a little woozy getting up. I, I don't know. Maybe that's a little bit too far-fetched. But no, I don't think that they would put their franchise, you know, for one year going for the Super Bowl when they won one last year and know that they could win about 10 more, put him in that position. So, um, no, I, I think I think it's I think it's more of a fact that, you know, he does have a, a tweaked nerve and, you know, he's working more on the foot. So that's possible. And we're going to find out in a few days. Let's get to the next one. Pro Football Mania at Pro Football Man number one. This kind of relates uh, to, the, to the Chiefs, actually, actually di relates directly to them. Do we think that Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, or Tyree Kill could win the MVP over Mahomes? Now, I'm thinking he's asking this question in the Super Bowl, not necessarily um, regular season MVP, because that's really hard for a tight end or a receiver to win. So in the Super Bowl, Nikki, could you see Kelsey or Hill winning it over Patrick Mahomes? 
No. <laughs> no, I just, I mean, hey, it would be really cool, right? Because that never happens and it's always a quarterback. But I, no, I just don't see it. Not at all whatsoever. It would have to be uh, like some ungodly performance, which yeah. Holmes is ungodly. So no. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, look, if he just threw three touchdowns and they all went to Tyree kill and he had 200 yards receiving, then maybe it's a different story, but I'm pretty much agreeing with her, Damian, where Mahomes is the guy, they always give it to the quarterback and he's the one throwing them the balls anyway. So do you disagree? Do you think one of them get it over him in the Super Bowl if they do win? I agree with you. That it'll have to be some type of crazy performance, but for them to go off, that means Mahomes has to go off. So it's those mm-hmm. being connected to him. Now, if it's a game where, you know, the offense has like kind of an off day and Mahomes only throws one touchdown, they do like a trick play where Tyreek Hill throws one and also catches one. That could be something where you can give Tyreek Hill the MVP. Um, I do remember like Deion Branch getting it one year over Brady. Uh, I think that James White should have got it. I think it was the last Patriots Super Bowl over Brady when he had like 13 catches, something like that. Yeah, I thought he should have won the MVP too, man. I do. Yeah. So you'll have years where that you'll have that standout player, um, but it's tough when it's Mahomes because you you're gonna see the eye test is gonna tell you it's Mahomes too because those plays on with Tyreek Hill you're gonna see him throwing it 70 yards down the field or evading a rusher and then throwing it down the field to Kelsey. So it's it's tough to have one of them win it over him. Yeah, I know. It, it it really, really is. Like we said, it would take a miraculous performance by one of them and them being the focal point of the offense, which is tough. This next question is loaded, so we're not going to spend too much time on it, but let's try to give the best synopsis we can. This comes from our boy Antoine Smith at Fat Boy. that's B-O-I, Slim, underscore 21. He asks, if Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl this year, is his career considered better than Michael Jordan? Wow. We need now, a whole show for that. <laughs> we do. We do. We do. And we're going to spend time on that more if that does indeed happen. I'll give the quickest answer I possibly can with as you know, much efficiency as I possibly could. Now, I don't think anybody would argue that Michael Jordan is the better athlete, you know, just athletically than Tom Brady. But if you're talking about sports and team sports, what Brady has accomplished has already surpassed Michael Jordan, in my opinion. So I think that he's already there as far as a better career, especially in a physical sport like the NFL. So if he wins another one, I say definitely. But guys, I think he's already there. What, what do you think, Ding? Uh, it's tough, man. It's tough to compare these two sports because like with Michael Jordan, one thing that's different is that he was the best player on all six championships. With Tom yeah. Brady, we've talked about how in you know those first three, he was more of a QB manager compared to the last three. Very um, true. And he's had also some great defenses. In the NBA, Michael Jordan was not only a great offensive player, but was part of that great defense. Uh, so for him, it's more of a, he has more of an impact. And he's considered widely the GOAT. But some people say LeBron James. So he's still in that argument. With Tom Brady, he is widely considered the GOAT at the QP position. But when it comes to football, as far as a football player, some people have Lawrence Taylor, some people have Jerry Rice. People like us, I think all three of us have Peyton Manning. So you still it's still questioned because his impact, when you look at his total career, those first three Super Bowls, he was a QB manager. So it makes a big difference in that way. 
That does make sense. And you know that I agree with you on that one. The only thing that I would say is now, Nikki, you can you can weigh in on this because you know about the Jordan era and Damien also kind of want to hear your opinion on this. Also, I don't want to spend too much time. We'll get to the next question. But Jordan didn't win until a guy named Scottie Pippen came around who was all world defensive player. So I think that, again, it's only five players on the court, you know, Nikki is compared to 11 on the field in football. But I think that what Damien's saying actually adds some credence to the argument a little bit. So I feel like I need more time on this one. And I know, you know, we definitely need to save this for another time. But I'm going to say this and I'll leave it at that. If you guys were an Olympic athlete, do you want six gold medals or do you want six gold medals and three silver? I'll take three extra silver medals. No, I, <laughs> no, 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 no. Give me all six gold. So I don't have any second place. Yeah, it, I don't want second place. <laughs> this stuff, that's, you know, when you think about the, when it comes to the LeBron Jordan argument, that's some people's case, right? LeBron had, you know, six silvers, uh, you know, mm. made as many times and not winning. But it also says something to get to the finals or to have and be in position for second place that many times. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's definitely a way to go both ways. And for Jordan, are you know he played 15 years, so it's not like he won every year. But it's something that you know you just have to. He just didn't lose in the finals. Once he got there, he took advantage. Right. But it's yeah, it's definitely a very good conversation to have, and I think we should take more time on it if he does win another championship. Yeah. And maybe if not, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a great conversation that we'll get into. So thanks, Antoine. We'd love that one. Uh, let's get to another one. We got Courtney Harden at Courtney 110979 asks if Aaron Rodgers wins his second Super Bowl this year, where does that place him on the all time list? Guys, Ooh. I'm going I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna to make mine short and sweet. All right. Because, again, this is another thing that we're going to get into if and if he does actually do it. I already, we talked about Peyton Manning, who is one of my most beloved quarterbacks, and I have him second, maybe third at worst on my list. But I have Aaron Rodgers already number one. I don't just go by Super Bowls. We talked about that earlier. I don't want to get in that conversation again. I don't want Nikki yelling at me. But the eye <laughs> test of everything I've seen with Aaron Rodgers, I mean, even this year, 37 years old, 48 touchdowns, five interceptions. Who the fuck does that? Nobody does that. So I actually already believe that, he is the best quarterback that ever lived. But as far as the all-time list, Damian, people aren't going to look at him that way because he's only got the one Super Bowl so far. Unless he gets that second one, would that really bump him up? It would bump him up on some people's list. Now, I'm just like you. I don't, in an ultimate team sport, I'm not going to go by just Super Bowls. You have to go by what they do individually when, it's, when you're talking about an individual ranking. Um, for me, I already have Aaron Rodgers in my top five. I actually talked about it on my last episode when we talked about where the Drew Brees rank. So I have Aaron Rodgers at number three behind Peyton Manning and Joe Montana uh, all time. You look at the TD to interception ratio being the best of all time. One, yep. of the most, one of the most accurate, maybe the best arm talent, you know, before Patrick Mahomes came along. He, he has everything. There's nothing he can't do on a football field that you ask a quarterback to do. Nothing. And when you compare him to other quarterbacks, he probably is. Sometimes you can say, I, I've heard Max Kellerman say this before, that he's the best, but maybe Tom Brady's the greatest, right? Because he has more accomplishments. But mm -hmm. you look at his arm talent, being mobile, the way he controls the game, even his snap count, the way he gets people to come off sides, just little things like that. He does everything well on the field, everything. 
Everything. So, yeah, I have to put them. I already have to have them in my top five. Yeah, man, I, I'm with you. I mean, yes, it would bump him up, obviously, to have another ring. There's no question about it. But, Nikki, uh, like, like we both said, he's already way up there. Uh, top five, top three, whatever you want to call it. To me, he's probably the best I've ever seen because he could do everything. Patrick Mahomes may have something to say about that down the line. But um, it'll certainly bump him up. But how high do you think it bumps him up? And just like a quick synopsis, because I know you got a lot to say about it. Um, yeah, there's something we need another whole show for. Jay, you did all that when you played quarterback, right? You had same nice. exact record as Aaron Rodgers, I heard. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, I mean, he's talking all-time lists. I mean, he's has to be, like, he should already be in somebody's top 10. I mean, does he move, if you don't have him in your top five, does he move to the top five with two Super Bowls? Yeah, absolutely. But I guess, you know, it really just depends on your all-time list. But he certainly should obviously be in somebody's top 10 yeah I, I would think so uh, at the very least top 10 in my opinion so all right so we're all on board with that one we have a couple of more left we're going to go to Flieger and Briggs at Asylum Football love it they host it's just sports they ask with all the talk of the great quarterbacks and their touted offenses which of the four defenses do we think rates the best the high octane offenses to win a title. So basically out of the four teams, which one is the best that can stop a high octane offense? If I had to pick one right away, I would think Tampa Bay with the way that they've been playing lately, Nikki. Oh yeah. Tampa Bay all the way. Yeah. Yeah. What what do you think that you got another one in mind? Nah, Tampa Bay, uh, even though the bills have definitely looked great, you know, these, this, in this last game, but I don't know if you consider the Ravens high octane, so yeah, you have to go. <laughs> you have to go with the Bucks. And you, Nikki mentioned earlier that those young, fast players they have on that defensive side are doing great things. So yeah, I agree with that one. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree too. And uh, yep, again, we're gonna get to see more. Let's see if they can do it against Green Bay again. We know that they won uh, against them thirty-eight to ten earlier in the year, but that was a different story and different teams at the time. Last question from you guys, and we really appreciate it from Chris Mascaro at CT. M-A-S-C-A-R-O, as does, um, I'm sorry, as does Brady's success and the Patriots' demise answer the question for who was responsible for the Pats' success? After one year, I really can't tell. Bill Belichick got screwed over, guys, with, you know, people coming off of COVID, injuries, getting Cam Cam Newton the last second, you know, before the season started. So he was already behind the eight ball on that one. Peyton Manning. Uh, Peyton Manning, listen to me, Tom Brady went to a brand new team that was not playoff bound at all. You know, things were, you know, they were somewhat of a joke. And now look where they are. They're in the NFC championship. So, I mean, first round goes to Brady for sure. I don't know if that answers all the long-term success because we talked D about the defense and everything and how they were such a big part of that, especially the first three championships. So, um, I can't go all the way and say that now, but round one does go to Brady. Yeah, you, round one goes to Brady, but I don't think it's, you know, cut and dry that we can say, oh, you know, Brady carried Belichick or Belichick carried Brady. When you look at what Brady went to in Tampa Bay, it was a playoff-ready team. Jameis Winston just threw 30 interceptions and had 42 turnovers. turnovers. Yeah. So, <laughs> that changes your trajectory from 11-5 uh, to 7-9. Right. And you get a quarterback who doesn't turn the ball over. Now you're in the NFC championship game with this, you know, roster with this young defense. 
So I think that for me, you got to, like we mentioned, Brady had some years where he was awesome. He also had some years where he was just a manager. And you have to give those years to Belichick, right? When you look at the fact that Brady throughout his career, which has been 20 plus years now, has only played with a defense that was outside the top 10 like five times. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's something that you have to give to Belichick. So it definitely goes both ways. They don't win, you know, six Super Bowls and get to nine without each other. But you have to see if the defense is that good, the offense, if they have another great quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, a Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, anybody in that era, they would win a lot of Super Bowls as well. I happen to agree with you. I really do. I happen to agree with you in that case. You know, you take any other – you put Peyton Manning on that team, I think they win. Again, it was a lot of defense. And then just the growing of each of the quarterbacks, like even Aaron Rodgers, like you said, I think that's a great point uh, that he makes right there, Nikki. So, again, um, this was definitely a joint effort in my mind, no doubt about it. Do you think that one had the better over the other? No. I've said this for – Oh, gosh, ever. This has come up on the show a few times. No, I maintain that they needed each other. Would Brady have been the player that he is with a different coach? I mean, hell, we talked about it last week. If the tuck rule doesn't happen, do we even get Tom Brady that we know today? You know, and, you know, if um, Bill Belichick had, I mean, look what he did with Cam Newton this year. Now, granted, he didn't have the greatest team, but if he had a different quarterback, I mean, does he have all that success? So no, I maintain that they needed each other for all of their success. And I just don't really like this argument that it's one over the other. Cause I just don't think it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. I, I agree. And I don't even think that you can possibly even prove it. I don't even know if that's something that's provable. It could just be in people's eyes and that's pretty much it. So no, yeah. What do people know? Nothing. No. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Unless you're on the third and three podcast team, you don't know a damn thing. <laughs> All right. So thank you to Christmas Scatter over there. Thank you to everybody who sent in questions. We love it. Keep doing it. We really appreciate it. Hey, Nikki, how are we doing on time right now? We are good. It was still good? Okay, good. Because I want to I want to get into the playoff games. I want to start breaking this stuff down. Damien style, man. We only got two games left to get to our final game, and that will be the Super Bowl. Let's find out who's going to be there. First game is the Bills and Chiefs. No, I'm sorry. The Bucks and the Packers are playing the first game. Okay. So the Packers are three and a half points favorite. Let's go to quarterback. Um, Tom Brady's been playing great, all right? And Aaron Rodgers has been playing greater, in my opinion. So I'm going to go to Aaron Rodgers' quarterback, Damian. Yeah, you got to go Rodgers. He's he's the MVP this year. You know, Brady has yeah. been good. Uh, he was just okay against the Saints. Uh, now, I think the Packers defense isn't as good as the Saints one, so he'll probably play a little bit better, and that cold won't bother him like it will other QBs. But Aaron Rodgers is that bad man for a reason. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, I agree with you. Nikki, what do you say? Aaron Rodgers. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Yep. He seems to be the answer to a lot of questions and he'll be giving a lot of questions on Jeopardy one day pretty soon. So I'll be uh, looking forward to that. You guys heard that he's hosting Jeopardy at some, uh, some point. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was, he was a good celebrity guest. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. He's a smart guy. He thinks way out of the box sometimes. And you know what, for all these old men that we're talking about and kind of putting him in that category, I saw an interview with him today and there was a lot of gray hair coming out of that beard. So I just want people to know that. <laughs> No spring chicken, this guy. All right, how about running backs? We got Aaron Jones for the Packers, Jamal Williams, and now Andre, D- A.J. Dillon, Dillon, excuse me, is, is coming about. 
the Bucks, um, Fournette and Ronald Jones, I like them. I don't love them. So I got to go Packers again, Damien. Yeah, I would go Packers, even though Leonard Fournette has turned into playoff Larry. I don't know when, <laughs> <laughs> like when this version came out, but he's been balling. He was big in that Saints game. Like I said, he was the, one of the reasons they won with him coming out the backfield, catching passes against yep. Anzalone. And he was a big, you know, rushing factor in the Washington game. But Aaron Jones is a monster. Mm-hmm. Dylan's pretty good. Uh, the Packers, as just a run game, their you know blocking is better as far as running the ball. So I had to go Packers there. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you, bro. I'm with you, Nikki. Do you agree? I agree, Packers. You agree, hundred percent. All right, excellent. All right, we're gonna keep it going over here. We are now up to wide receivers. Where you talk about the Packers, you got Devontae Adams, and then eh, Robert Tanyan. MVS, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name this time. I, f- forgive me. So Marquez Valdez Scantling. I think I got it that there time. Go. Up. That's <laughs> it. Great check with Coach, yeah. but I think that was it. <laughs> yes, I gave it a 10 on the pronunciation scale. Nice. <laughs> as long as they take my time, maybe I'll get it right. So, you know, they got those guys. Um, Aaron Rodgers makes the best out of him, obviously, even Alan Lazard. But when you talk about the Bucks, you're talking about a whole bunch of wide receivers with A.B., Mike Evans, Godwin, who's somehow disappearing, not catching balls. But they got the talent over there, even when you add in Cameron Brait, Rob Gronkowski. So I think I would have to give it to Tampa Bay in this one. Uh, Damian, what do you think? Yeah, Tampa Bay's deeper, our receiver. And even yeah. the guys you haven't heard of, like there was a guy, can't remember his name, but he made a great catch on like a 15-yard comeback when Antonio Brown went out. So even their guys who are under the radar are good. Uh, and with the Packers, you know it's, you know, Devontae Adams, everybody else, even though uh, Scantling is coming out and Lazard looks like he's going to be a really good, especially on deep threats, he's really good. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are definitely deeper. Yeah, yeah, they're deeper. You know, I, I want to say that uh, that Green Bay's uh, wide receivers, they are physical. They could be tough, especially Lazard. He's a big dude, so – I like what they got there, but Nikki, I think uh, Tampa's just got, you know, too much, you know, too many weapons, a little bit too deep. Yeah, they do. They have a ton of weapons and, you know, I don't know. Is it fair to be like, oh, yeah, no, I definitely say Tampa Bay. It's so hard to pick Green Bay because I feel like you could put anybody there and Aaron Rodgers would make them look good. So you kind of have to look at it as just a whole. And yes, definitely Tampa Bay. Yeah, I hear you. All right. How about offensive line? Uh, This one's interesting. Um, I was just looking at rankings, protecting sacks, so protecting the quarterback from sacks. The Packers were third, the Bucks were fourth. So that's really interesting. We're talking about two offensive lines that know how to protect their quarterback. I've seen it in Green Bay. I've very rarely seen Aaron Rodgers get touched. Tom Brady, not too much either lately. Um, but there's also that running game that goes into it. And I know that Tampa has been doing well, but even without David Bakhtiari, I mentioned his name three times already, I think, during this show. I think that the Packers still have the better offensive line when it comes to running and passing overall, Damian. Yeah, it's it's really a tough battle there between those two. And like you mentioned, the injury there for Green Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay definitely looked good. They protected well against the Saints, which is you know something that they struggled with earlier in the year, so they haven't proved in that aspect. Uh, this, honestly, you could say it's a tie between them but I'm going to go Green Bay slightly just because of the running game. Right. I'm with you. This is like as close to a tie as you can possibly get. But, um, yeah, just I think just because of the running game, they have an edge there, Nikki. So that's why that looks like why we're both going Green Bay. 
Yes, edge to Green Bay slightly, and I have recency bias. So. <laughs> All right, so like we may have lost Jason there. So now we're going to go on defense. Defensive line, Nikki. Mm -hmm. Where are you going with Tampa Bay and Dominican Sue there? You have Jason Pierre-Paul, or are you going with Green Bay? <sighs> JPP, my boy, is like oven mitt. <laughs> um, no, but I am definitely going to go Tampa Bay on that one. Yeah, Tampa Bay has the names, and they're playing better. And Dominican Sue, for some reason, is ageless. Yeah. He feel like he's been, he feel like he's been in the league forever. Yeah. He's still good. And for some reason, still bothers Aaron Rodgers. Um, that's what Aaron Rodgers, his one bad game of the year was against Tampa Bay. And, and Dominican Sue had a lot to do with that. So I got to go with Tampa Bay in that one. Can you guys hear me now, by chance? Yeah. Yes. Okay, good. Sorry about that. I must have hit some sort of button. But I was listening to you guys, and... Full agreement. I, I don't even need to really add much onto that right there. You guys said it all. And they've been playing tough. We saw it again last weekend, no doubt. So I'm with you guys over there. And how about the secondary? You know, we talked about Green Bay secondary, where not a lot of household names, but they've been able to make certain plays. But then you watch what Tampa Bay was able to do. And I, I think they scare me a little bit more. I know Aaron Rodgers could be more careful with the football um, at times more than Tom Brady, but um yeah, that could be a little scary right there. So I think that I would take Tampa for the secondary, Nikki. I would definitely take Tampa. Yeah, I'm going Tampa as well, secondary. And I would include um, their linebackers in that because they do such a good job in coverage. Oh, nice. I like that. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah, man, we saw what Devin White did. My God, unbelievable. Now we're down to head coach. You got Bruce Arians and Matt LaFleur has only been around for a couple of seasons, but Guys, I, I've, I'm in love. Well, not in love. That's terrible. I, I love the way that Matt LaFleur <laughs> coaches. <laughs> I, lo I love the way he coaches and him and Aaron Rodgers are clicking. So I, I have to go with him and his safer play. You know, he'll take his shots, but he's not a, you know, uh, no risk it, no biscuit type of guy. So I'll take LaFleur. Yeah, um, it's a tough one. Bruce Arians has you know, more experience and has been in, you know, these situations more. So, hmm, I'm gonna go Arians. I'm gonna go Arians just on the experience. And I think that he's been able to adjust throughout the year. They weren't in the big, you know, risky biscuit business against the Saints. They were playing smarter. So I think he'll bring that to this game. Okay. Okay. Interesting. All right. What do you say, Nikki Tiebreaker? Um, yeah, well, I don't like Bruce Arians. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will always defer to um who the other coach. So yeah, Matt LaFleur. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Nikki, how's time looking right now? We ha have about eight minutes. All right. Great. We have enough time to break this game down. The Bills first, the Chiefs. We got to make our picks. We got to make our picks. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. We got to make a pick for the game. Nikki, ladies first. Let's go. All right. So all that being said, it feels like the edge should go to Green Bay. Now that we broke it all down, it probably should. I think this really is going to come down to which quarterback has the ball last, but which defense can make that final stop. This game definitely lives up to billing. I'm going to go Tampa Bay 31, Green Bay 28. Oh, wow. Okay. Road victory again for Mr. Brady. That'd be three in a row. How about that, D? What do you think? Uh, Tampa Bay looks good, but they show some weaknesses on the offense against the Saints that I think the Packers will be able to take advantage of. 
That bad man cannot be stopped by any defense, including number one defense in the Rams. So I'm going with Green Bay, 30 to 26. I'm going with Green Bay, too, and I'm going a little bit bigger, guys. 31 to 17. I think there's going to be a point in the game where the Packers turn it around. It could be a defensive play, whatever it may be. But I think Green Bay will actually pull away from this one in the fourth quarter. So I'm, I'm taking the Packers over there. Nikki, you are the Lone Ranger as we get into the next game now. All right. Now, Bills versus Chiefs. Arrowhead. Chiefs are only favored two and a half. Maybe that has something to do with Patrick Mahomes and unsure, whatever it may be. But let's break it down. Quarterback. Mahomes versus Josh Allen. I mean, Mahomes is the best in the game. And if he's not injured, then it's Mahomes. But if he's injured, then it's probably Josh Allen, I guess, Damien. Yeah. Mahomes, if he's healthy, if it's Henny, you got to go with Josh Allen. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I mean, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? Gosh. Running back, like I mentioned, Chiefs haven't done much. You know, they had uh, you know, Damian Williams. Uh, De- not Damian Williams. What's his name? Uh, freaking guy who ran all over the place last week. Whatever. It, it, it wasn't Le'Veon Bell, bottom line. So they don't run a lot. Um, and the Bills, they don't run at all. So this is- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll just give it to the Chiefs because at least they try to run the ball. Yeah. <laughs> right? Pretty much. Yeah, so same think? same here. Chiefs just out of effort. All right, no doubt. Uh, wide receiver, I mean, geez. Yeah. All right, yeah. <laughs> but Buffalo's got these big, tremendous guys, but then you got Tyreek Hill. You have to factor in Travis Kelsey, sometimes McCall Hardman, you know, all these guys. I mean, Nikki, what do you think? This is actually tough. I mean, because I do think Buffalo has a really, really good uh, wide receiving core, but I got to give the edge to Kansas City. What do you think, Ding? Yeah, I got to go with Kansas City, but Buffalo definitely is the only team I can think of that would be close to them as far as full receiving core, maybe Tampa Bay. Yeah, but Buffalo's definitely close. There's no doubt about it. But again, when you add the guy Patrick Mahomes throwing them the ball and so accurately and all this and that, then yeah, you kind of got to go there. So I can definitely understand that one. So that's wide receiver, offensive line. Um, I, I look, I I got to go Bills. Um, the Chiefs' offensive line isn't great. They're a little bit broken up. Um, the Bills are not great on offensive line either. But Josh Allen's scramble ability you know, gets him out of plays and he can step up in the pocket. So I think they have a little bit better offensive line than the Chiefs do, Damian. Yeah, I would go slightly better with what they're able to do as far as providing time. Again, it's a close one, but I agree with you. What do you say, Nick? Yeah, no, slight edge to uh, Buffalo for me. Yeah, very slight. It's it's really not much. Both quarterbacks can't be sacked. We'll see what happens. Front seven. Uh, I got to go with the Bills, but the front seven, I, I, to me, it's it's a no-brainer. The things they do up there, Leslie Frazier, defensive coordinator. Yeah, I'm on the Bills, Nick. Buffalo. Yep. Dean, what yeah. do you think? <laughs> Buffalo. Got to be Buffalo. Now, secondary may be different. I know that Buffalo's got Jadavius White, uh, you know, Micah Hyde back there. But when you talk about the Honey Badger and, and Breland and some other players, I don't know, guys. I think that I think that Kansas City has a better secondary than Buffalo. Am I crazy, Dean? Not crazy. Um, I'm going Buffalo, but it's very close, very close. And with Kansas City, Breland's also on the concussion protocol, so that's something we need to watch. Very. That's right. Very interesting. He did get hit in that game. Yep. Got to be careful. Um, what do you think, Nikki? Uh, Buffalo. Buffalo. Going Buffalo. All right. Yeah. So let's see if Patrick Mahomes has a tough day or Josh Allen's having a tougher day. It's going to be one or the other end. Head coaching may determine that. I know how much you love Sean McDermott, D, 
but there's Andy Reid, Super Bowl champion, reigning, been in the league forever. Who do you got? Yeah, you got to go with the combination of Reid and Eric Bieniemy. I can't argue with that one freaking bit, Nikki. Andy Reid, he's got the big balls. <laughs> that is so well put. I love it. I love it. Wow. Well, okay. Let's get to a final score then. Nikki, what do you think is going to happen here? Uh, I think it's going to be tight, real tight, but I got Kansas City 28, Buffalo 26. Very interesting. I got Kansas City 28, Buffalo 25. So I'm looking at a Kansas City Green Bay Super Bowl. Damien? I am going with the quantum wow. leap, leap, leap. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's going with the Buffalo Bills with the upset. Um, Buffalo 28, Kansas City 27. Oh, man. Wow. Oh, that'd be amazing. Wow. I, I'm, I'm rooting for the Bills. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I have this infatuation with that team right now. Man, I think that any combination we get is going to be really exciting, guys. I can't wait to find out who it's going to be. Until next time, we are going to find out. Nikki, this is going to be absolutely great. Can't wait. Damien, awesome. I know we're going to be texting each other during the week, uh, during the weekend. And, it, man, I, I just can't wait to get back next Wednesday already. But third and three podcast, kicking your ass, doing what we always do, getting ready for conference championship weekend. For Damien Adams, for Nikki Gist, I am Jason Fearman. This is the third and three podcast. Make sure you catch us next week. We'll be back. Peace. Bye.